Horizons podcast, and we're doing our getting to know you with John Wilson. Hello, John. How are well, you? Hello. <laughs> Long time, no talk. I know. <laughs> it feels weird being on the other side of my, so to speak. I usually yeah. we're the ones interviewing <laughs> Being in the hot seat for once. Yes, exactly. So I thought we um, would start these interviews basically about a simple getting to know you. So, who are you? What do you do for a living? Or what do you do on your spectrum? More importantly, what do you want the people out there to know about you? Um, who, what I do for a living is sales and marketing. So not a big, not a like a big oh, you know. Uh, I've been doing that for years now. I would say probably twenty something years of my life. Um, but my joy is definitely doing things like this, doing the podcast that never would have imagined. You know, how many moons ago? Five, six years ago, um, that I'd be doing something like this because I've always loved art. So for me. I love writing. I love just being in arts and I love, you know, at one point I was doing production and, and um, being a part of that, but anything to do with art and writing and is a joy for me. So my job is sales and marketing, but my joy is definitely um, doing things like this and playing video games. I love playing video games. That's how actually how Keith and I met a uh, long time ago playing Friday the 13th. Little did we know as we're trying to run from Jason, getting, trying to survive getting killed by Jason that, um, it would form a friendship that, you know, he would, he would offer this opportunity to me to be a part of the podcast, which has been such a joy in my life. Um, yeah. Yeah. I imagine that must have been quite weird coming off of, you know, four to five hours of Jason running after you. And I was like, can we have a conversation? I know. Well, he was, you know, he had even said, he goes, you have this idea and, you know, you, you, I mean, he had talked at that point, you had delivery agency and you say everything that you were doing at the time and, and uh, working on scripts and working on books and reading reviews and like doing all this. And I was like, how the hell are you going to have time to do this? But I was like, sure, count me on, you know, count me on for this. And, it's been such an amazing um, experience, you know, and trying to be a part of the craziness of all these podcasts and these conversations, which I don't think most of the viewers know how much work that actually goes into this. And in the beginning, it was rough, which we both can say, like in the beginning, yeah. it was like Planet of the Apes were like so by the book and everything. And as time went on, we just learned that we had to have fun with the conversations and enjoy each other's conversations. So I think it took us into probably like the third or fourth episode where we started yeah. finding the rhythm and sort of thing. And then we yeah, figured yeah, out like the, wrong way, the, the wrong way to do an interview. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I think it's like, it's funny because like, um, I think it was Silence of the Lambs where we just kind of were like, oh, let's just have fun with this and, and go with it. And yeah, the interviews, the interviews were always like interesting because we, as similar to this, there is a structure to them, but you you do it ultimately just have to flow with the person. And sometimes they don't flow and sometimes they do flow. 
Well, I think I think what I learned, because um, you, you had a different experience than I did, but when I did um, Lawrence Hyman Jackson, Shirley Jackson's um, son, yeah. and he goes, can I have the questions beforehand? And so I gave him the questions beforehand. So when we did that, when we were going through our interview, I was reading the questions and he was reading his answers. So it was just like this really odd interview. My see, mine was I gave him in advance too, but I felt like it was a reluctant answer, right? And so, you know, by the time I finished the interview, it was like a little frustrating, but you know, you kind of make do with what you have, right? And I remember getting sending that to you and you just kind of yours did didn't that. even want to be there. It's like, what does happen? I like, think he I think like it was Christmas, wasn't it? What yeah, it was cr- it was a Christmas story and I can't remember what his what his attachment to that was, but I remember he had him no attachment to that. He had an attachment to Second City Comedy Clubs. He wrote That's right. That. Yes. Yeah. And and that was a part of the nuance of the story because the story is written more as a comedy and, and like it's it's different it's different from the actual movie, which um where the character's giving snippets of his life and, and it's very comedic. So we talked about that, but the moment when we went into like talking about other things, it kind of always got pulled in, well, this is what I do and this one. And I'm like, great, now, but can we talk about the content, right? And it kind of kept yeah, yeah. being pulled back the other direction. So it's like, it's always an like, experience, you know. I remember because they were just trying to get, get him to do like a Christmas, just to bring in a little bit of a Christmas story about his Christmases, just so we could tie it into the yeah. Well, I think it was like, <laughs> what was the, what was the most memorable that? gift, right? I think it was something like that. What was the most memorable gift? And he was like, I don't know. I don't really. And I was like, okay. And I'm like, you could have just said anything. You could have said, you know, know, a toy train or, you know. <laughs> But, you know, Rose brought the sled. I mean, it was good enough for Susan King. I'm sure it's good enough for you. Exactly. Make it up. <laughs> There's Isley. This is kind of like, you know, come work with me here. Yeah. You know, but it's, you it's always like your book, but we need to actually promote it so it actually fits in the confines of our scene. Yeah. And you learn, you know, what it's interesting is you learn every single step of the way we've learned to evolve and go with the flow of people. And I think it, that was my first interview. And so I was a bit nervous because it was like, wow, I'm going to, you know, this is going to be something that's been on our site and I want to do it right. And I want to do it, you know, and eventually you don't, you realize it's not about doing it right. It's actually having fun with what you're discussing and, you know, trying to nuance, you know, the questions sometimes, because now I think what I've learned from that is, okay, knowing that question wasn't answered the way I wanted it to, I could throw something in that pulls that interviewer to, to say something else or respond to something else, you know? Always right. A good compliment gets you a lot more content. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's also like, you know, sometimes it, it's uh, breaking their nerves too. They're just as nervous as you. And so they never ever forget that as well. Like when I, when someone com- comes to our show and they're, you know, the, for example, when we did um, Anna and the Apocalypse, I think they were all such great, but I think sometimes everyone's nervous. So we were using icebreakers in the beginning to kind of loosen people up and get people to start talking about their characters or whatever. Right. And so we, we've learned, you know, from that point, you're going to, you know, loosen the ice a bit. <laughs> yeah. Basically you just have your bullet points. Left cover, and then everything else doesn't yeah. matter. Just as long as you keep the conversation off low. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, basically, um, of course, we are in the millennia, you know, 20, where are we, 2021. And, of course, everyone has a social media website presence. So how would you, if people wanted to keep in touch with you, how would they re- reach you? Which would you prefer? 
Um, I, you know, it's funny. I am on social. I am on Facebook, you know, John Wilson, um, on, on uh, Instagram, John Wilson 76. I'm trying to actually create my own sort of channel or website, if you will, and kind of put my own content because we talked about this before. I do write and I have written a lot of things. I haven't published anything. And I think I just want to get my toes a little wet by creating my own website. So eventually, you know, you can follow me there on Instagram at John Wilson 76, or you can follow me on um, Facebook at John Wilson. Um, but, you know, eventually on there, you'll notice something probably popping up. I'm thinking about Wilson J because there's so many John Wilsons in the world. There's a ridiculous amount of John Wilsons in the world. So I'm trying to come up with something that's unique that people can find me and, and read, you know, and a lot of them are going to be like life experience, but also just stuff that I've written and, Stuff that I'm working with, co-working with too, because as I was telling Keith as well, I definitely want to start to work with other people and work on their projects. There's a that is passionate project for me as well, is to be able to help people kind of get their own things produced or get their own things written and you know, help people get their their legs, you know, standing. Now, we deal with a lot of different genres. What's your favorite genre? Um, obviously for me, as I, we explore everything we explore, most of it is horror sci-fi. If I can get a combo of the two, that's amazing because I do, I've always even, you know, listening to other podcasts or watching films or reading content. I've always been gravitated towards the sci-fi, you know, um, strange from another planets, you know, I definitely feel like as a kid, like these types of things influence me and how I view things is always like the what if, you know, it's, you can watch a drama or comedy. It's kind of formaic. So in some ways you get to the point where you watch a romance, you know, and you're like, oh, you know, what's going to happen. This person's going to do that. That's going to do that. That's going to, so it's all predictable and I don't like predictability. So when I watch something like Midsummer, which we reviewed like that, it, it's, it's shocking, but at the same time, it's not, it's hard to predict. And I love things like that, um, that just always keep me on my toes. Um, so I love, that's why I love our podcast so much, because we do review a lot of that. Every once in a while, we'll do like musicals and things like that. Um, but I typically am drawn to horror and sci-fi, you know. And what is your favorite film? Oh, this is such an impossible, when you, when I saw this question, I was like, this is such an impossible, possible answer because I love film. I love, um, you know, all aspects of film like noir, you know, and different areas of, we were literally just this past weekend, we were talking about, um, we were talking about um, Madeline Kahn and just the movie she was in and I, you know, Clue and, you know, uh, what are Blazing Saddles? We were talking about all these different films, and it's it's so hard because you go, oh, well, this this influenced me, right? So as a kid watching um, uh, Friday the Thirteenth for the first time as a teenager, like that was my first horror, I think. Film. No, actually, I take that back. Nightmare on Elm Street was my first horror. Um, but you're always influenced by different films, so it's hard to just go this is my favorite. It's like trying to pick your favorite child, which I know people do, <laughs> but it's, it's literally so hard because, you know, my, which I'll talk about a little bit later, like, you know, my mom and I have experiences with films and my friends have experience with films. You and I, Keith, have experience because of what we do. Um, and it, I think that's an amazing thing about films and storytelling is that you just get pulled into films and, I get the, the joy of being able to talk about them all the time. So I can't pick a favorite. I'm sorry. 
No, I did scapegoat. I picked four. I got four favorite films that my four go-to films. So, and none of them are horror. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> that is strange. Yeah, I mean, I, I could say if I if I would say that the ones that I repeat, I definitely say I love watching. Um, which most people don't know, Foul Play. So I remember as a kid, my mom I and dad. I love Foul Play. Billy Hahn and Chevy Chase. <sighs> so good. It's like a murder mystery comedy dramedy it's really funny and most people don't know it because it was like goldie hahn in her what 20s 20s yeah i just know that i want to drive on that highway and listen to barry Manilow sing ready to take a chance again yeah <laughs> <Ready to laughs> i mean even beware of the dwarf like there's just i mean it's so yeah. good um so that was and definitely we're just meredith as well yeah yeah the so and i always remember because the penguins in that and so that one I, I tend to put on replay. So and even my friends are like, oh, we've never seen it. I said, okay, well, that's one we're putting on our list of, of we have to see this. Like this, you know. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, actually, thank you for reminding me that. That's actually one I have to go out and buy. Actually, I love that film. I watched that. That was on HBO in the early days. And I was staying with my dad. And I was watching it on repeat. Every time yeah. I came on, I watched it. What, God, I forgot about that film. Foul yeah. play. And I don't like Chevy Chase, but I like him in that. <laughs> yeah, I, no, and I love the chemistry that they have in it too. It's really, I mean, it's just a great, great film. And then just the cast of characters and, and that are in it that you just, you can't help but laugh and the suspense by it, you know, it's really fun. It's a fun film. Maybe in season six, we'll do a San Francisco comedy night where we'll do Foul Play and What's Up Doc. Oh my God, I love What's Up Doc. That's another one. That's a great one too. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Brilliant. So um, what is your earliest film memory? Um, so in line with what I was talking about with my mom, um, Leave Her to Heaven. So that film, um, God, I had to be probably maybe 11 or 12. It, it, you know, it did two things for me when I watched this film. It was one that was like, my, my mom would not watch the typical black and white films. Like she would watch like dark, mysterious, like, you know, films. And it was like, you know, for instance, with that one, it is a story about a woman who, you know, frames her sister for her murder. And it, I just remember watching it going, what am I watching? And I was like, so intrigued by this because most typical black and white was, you know, breakfast at Tiffany's or, you know, like those types of films. My mom was like all about Eve and, and um, uh, whatever happened to baby Jane. And like some of those films, like she loved the, the macabre, you know, and the second thing I would say is like, it wasn't about the happily ever after, which I think most films always, everyone had a happy ending. So that film, it kind of has a happy ending, but it, it just went, as you watch it, you go, wow, it's really messed up. Like from, and as a kid, you're, you're, you know, I was used to, you know, films where everyone gets their, their joy at the end. And this was not that, like it kind of is like a mess, really messed up ending. And it was, it just affected me that way. It, it was just like one of those films that was like, wow, not everything has to be happy ending. And I like that. And I like that, you know, we don't have to have everything wrapped up in a nice little package, you know. Do you ever notice that the films that do not have that happy ending are the ones that pretty much stay ingrained in your subconscious forevermore? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, for instance, um, what's what is um, no, it's blinking on me. 
where the, the woman becomes an addict and she's on a game show. Um, oh, um, Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, like that movie was one that just got like burned into my brain. And same with Blue Valentine. Oh my God. It, it, that just the most depressing film. I walked out going, I think I need to go watch something or I need to pet a puppy because this is just, it was like, just leaves you in a pit, you know. Well, it's even like those two films, the, the, you know, what I call the um, Betty Davis double bill, whatever happened to Baby Jane and Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte. Yes. I mean, they, yes. Don't, they don't have yeah. good endings at all. I mean, the other, yeah. you know, her sister's dying and her last words is like, I mean, we could have been friends. It's like, you yeah. know, bum, 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 and bum, Hush, bum, Hush, Hush, Charlotte. Yeah. It's like, you know, she's this tormented woman and she gets carted off at the end. And it's just like, you know, none of it was her fault. It's all, you know, bitch. Living to have a long fault. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So you're left like watching this film going, oh my God. It's like, you know, but those, you know, those kind of films stay with me as well. So, yeah. I mean, if you think about when we watch like Midsummer and things like that, I think those were not like, wow, we're so happy that, you know, it's perspective, right? And you, you get to kind of see a different perspective of what it would be if, you know, someone kind of finds their joy in an occult <laughs> and then, or, you know, you know, like the, the fact that this whole family gets eradicated by a bigger force than them, you know, when it, when it comes to uh, what was the other one, not Midsummer, but um, um, hereditary hereditary, you know, like that was another one that you just are left a little bit dark inside. You're like, wow, you know, what did I just watch? But you'll never forget it. You'll never forget the scenes and how it played out. And, you know, those types of stories. But then again, I guess with horror, is there, a, is there really ever a happy ending with horror ever? If you think about it. I mean, if you talk about like the ones with the final girls, because those are typical, right? Like, you know, someone's going to survive and it's usually the one that's a little bit smarter than everyone else, a little bit more cautious than everyone else. But like, yeah, for the most part, most horrors, as soon as it ends, it followed up by a scene where the killer's still alive, still yeah. persevering. They're going to come back for you, you know, so you, you survive for now. Right. And so there's that, you know. You but know. even if the final girl survives and the killer is dead, her life's never going to be the same, is it? Oh yeah, no, never. Be haunted for the rest of her life, and and always like always looking over your shoulder, right? Because you know, mm-hmm. and we're never even probably investing in friendships because most of them got murdered. You know, and you're <laughs> like, <laughs> how do you survive that? You know, those types. I'm of never going to have sex or do drugs ever again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or they just become a nun. <laughs> the, like yeah. the next film, they're a nun. They're like, screw it. Well, you know, finding a relationship's hard when you're normal. I mean, you know, I don't know if you're a basket case, it must be even worse for the person. I know. Oh, my God. So what is your favorite book or author? Uh, you know this. I think I've talked about this. I love Stephen King. I do love him. Like, it, he he definitely influenced me wanting to write. Um, the, the book, The Talisman, was sort of, I think, something I read when I was 11 or 12. Um. I just love like the story of a young boy going on this journey and flipping between worlds. So it's a, a mix of horror and sci-fi in that aspect that Jack is trying to save his mother who's dying, but then he's also flipping between worlds where the other version of his mother is a queen and she's being, you know, a, you know, basically her throne is trying to be taken from her by his uncle. So it's a very interesting story and, I just remember going, wow, I like opened my mind to other worlds. And, um, you know, Stephen King, just after that, just a lot of the books carry. And 
um, Pet Cemetery and Misery and The Shining, all of these books like just influenced me a lot and how I kind of viewed horror, you know, because horror, it's very like people think about horror, like my dad would probably never watch a horror film, but I, there's such another layer of nuance to horror that people just don't see. And it's, you know, often the family dynamic, it's the relationships of, you know, that, that people deal with hardships, whether it's divorce or it's drugs or it's addiction or it's, you know, abusive father, like those types of things. Like it's, it's um, something that's always weaved throughout his books and the complex relationships sort of take stage over the horror sometimes. And I love that because you kind of, you know, the shiny is a perfect example of that, how he's trying to be the best father he can, but he's, he's always in the back of him is always has this addiction coming at him. And eventually that the overlook preys on that and it preys on, you know, that, that addiction and, um yeah so i love Stephen king he's fantastic speaking of the talisman did you actually read black house the sequel to it as well i actually have the audiobook which i i think i the first probably two or three chapters i started to listen to and i actually have to go back to it because my friend was saying you should definitely you know read or listen to that because he said it was really good mm-hmm. Yeah, I try to get into it. I think um, I love Talisman, but I think because there's such a huge break between the two books. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to read the Talisman and read Black House again, sort of thing. I think that's what I need to do because I, I, um, the one thing I would say, like the difference between most of his books is this is co-authored and it's a little bit at the beginning of the, of the Black House and exposition of the land and the space that you're in. And mm-hmm. sometimes that, I am turned off by it. Just tell me where I'm at. Like, I don't need to know every nuance, every house, every block, every, and it, the fir- you know, this, like the first few chapters is all this little town and this bar and this, and then this person. And, and you're trying to figure out like, why do I need to know all this? And, and then eventually you get into a little bit as to why, because you're trying to understand the dynamics of the town, but that can be a little bit off putting. And so I feel like I do need to go back. I think that's the Peter Strub side of it because we're yeah. going to be covering Ghost Story this season. Okay. And of course, we're covering The Dead Zone um, next week, actually. We're doing Dead Zone, the book and the film. But, but so it's going to be quite interesting because what you just said, I think that must be the Peter Strub. Because I remember starting trying to read Ghost Story. And I, haven't, I haven't actually read the book. I'm going to, you know, I'll be reading it for in two months' time. But I know that whenever I started it, there was these long passages of, time and place yeah and gave me a lot of information so i'm kind of wondering if that must be and now now they just finished the dark zone and um stephen king's very very precise with his stephen king is always reminds me of your grandfather on a, on a rocking chair on the porch and he's going to tell you a story and he goes yeah. into this story sort of thing yeah. and it's all about characterizations and it's all about the way they talk to each other but it's very very little about the place and the way the place is set out. We don't get a long passages like this yeah. is the house and sitting on the middle, you know, and all the grass yeah. and what all that kind of stuff. And the first one, it works so, because you are going, you're going East coast to West coast. So it is important. And then you're flipping between worlds, right? So it is important to understand where things sit because when, when Jack does travel in minutes, it's hours. I think if I remember the, the way it works. So it's important for you to like imagine going on a road trip, you can kind of scale in how long it's going to take him to get all the way to the West coast by when he flips over. 
But in this, it's more, it's exposition as to why the town is the way it is. And it's around um, a serial killer who's killing people, but it gets, it gets a little bit too much into that in the beginning. And it was a little off putting because by the time you actually get to dialogue, you're kind of like, what was all that for? Like, what, why did I need to know all this? You know, like the Cubs won and you're like, okay, why? Like what the, (laughs) you know, like you get a little bit like, why, you know? Um, But I definitely think, um, yeah, King only uses it if it's necessary. Meaning, mm-hmm. overlook. You give a you give a very detailed review of it because the overlook is an actual character, right? And so you have to build out the immensity and the gravity of it's like sinking well. And he does a fantastic job with that. Christine is a car, but it is a character, right? So unless it's like a place is a character, then you're going to kind of do that. Um, yeah, because imagine I, if he did that with the stand. Oh my God, you'd shoot yourself. Because uh-huh. you, like the stand is a lot of this character. Then here they're here and then that. But imagine each time going back to the character and describing everything, where the character's at, why they're there. Like you know, and it's like okay, but now you're giving the street looks like this, this building looks like that, and you're like okay, that I would shoot myself. You know. Yeah. See, I think that after spending a whole year watching, um, reading, doing the classic novels that I'll probably be ready for ghost story now. Cause I, I've learned to go through a lot of pointless narrative <laughs> or description, right? Narrative is one thing, but like description and just, it's like describe, describe, describe. And it's funny going through writing classes and there are some professors that wanted me to do that. And there are other professors like less is more. Right. So you, you know, don't, don't, uh, what is it? Don't tell me, show me, right? It's that sort of mentality of you don't need to give the sweeping views unless there's a reason for that, right? Like, let's just stay focused on the character. The, the ca- imagine the cameras moving in on those characters. They don't need to see the whole purview of the land. They just need to focus there. Other, char- other writers would say different, right? No, I need to know what shore they're on, where they're standing, what time of day is it? What, the, what does the water, what does the ocean feel like? You know, what, how cold is it? And you're like, what the, why do I find, <laughs> you know, and you get a little bit like frustrated, but that's how you're taught sometimes too. So I, I also give a little bit of room for that because it is sort of, that's the style. And some people love that. Some people want to know exactly what that scene looks and feels like so they can be in that scene. I don't need as much. I'm, I'm pretty much, you could say one thing, you know, like one of his stories starts off with is a diary entry where it is a short story about a man who kills his wife. And it's, it's very, you know, anyone who reads this, this day, this day, I killed my wife. That to me, it was like, I don't even know what the farm looks like. I don't need to know what anything else looks like. That is like, you got me, you pulled me in, you know? I know about, you know, over descriptiveness. I did do Moby Dick this time where we had 120 pages of what it means to whale. <laughs> what yeah. whaling is, what kind of ship it is, what kind of harpoon. Wow, well, you know, how many centimeters the point is. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also a different style of writing for that time, right? Because we've read a few books that were like that too. I'm trying to remember one, one of the other ones we read that was similar. Turning the Screw. Turning the Screw is like that. Life. Yeah. Turning the Screw is because you're, again, trying to paint a picture of the landscape of what this property is and where everyone is. And it was like a lot of, okay, can we just get, <laughs> can we get to where they're at right now and, you know, what's going on and why this is happening, you know? Well, I think you could do, I think like before <clears throat> the advent of television and documentaries in the world that we're living in now, I can understand why you would need that because you need to 
people weren't familiar with what was going on beyond their own village. But I think nowadays, I think everyone's pretty much aware. I mean, I could sit there and go, you know, you know, say something like, you know, Johannesburg, you know, um, South Africa. And I probably don't need to go into a lot of detail now because most people already have an idea. You know what I mean? We're back and back in the day. It makes a lot more sense because, you know, you didn't know, you know, you had no idea. So you need this long descriptive. Well, and it's also like creating a symbol um, is creating a semblance of social dynamics too. So if you have like, for instance, someone in their home, they have all these trinkets, right? And there's all these things. And the more you create the, the you paint the cam- canvas of opulence, right? So you now know this is a very well-to-do family. Whereas now you could say, oh, this family lives in the Hamptons. You, that enough, you're like, okay, you know, opulence, right? Or you, And you could even say geographically, East Hamptons, West Hamptons, right? And you would know, okay, you know what type of, how, what their stature is and their living. But back then you would have to create how poor someone was or how rich someone was because that was part of the dynamics of the story too. The, the young pauper falls for the prince. Right. And then, so you have to show the level of the dynamics, you know, totally agree. So we're season five is coming on to us very, very quickly. What episode are you looking more forward to? I'm actually looking forward to the entire season because, you know, as you, you know, Keith always gives us the lineup of everything. Um, I'm definitely going to be the part of the two for ones. It's I've seen some of these films. I haven't seen a lot of these films. I'm actually looking forward to dipping my toes into, you know, the eighties horror completely because I think I was more nineties current horror. And like, as I was going through the list, like, Scanners, Night of the Demons, The Fog, The Uninvited, like all those I've seen, but there's a lot of them I have not seen. So I am ex- I get excited for that because you could re-review something and it might even change your perception of when you first viewed it. And we've talked about that before, how much you love a film. And then sometimes when you watch it now, you're like, oh, it seems a little hokey now. You know, when you first watch it, you're like, oh, this is amazing. So a lot of these are going to be my first watch. So I can't wait to kind of, like I said, expand myself on on some of these films that we that I haven't seen, you know. Um, the only one I'm dreading is Videodrome. So. Videodrome. Who picked that? You? Um, yeah, I did. I mean, I put the 80s list together sort of thing. It was very difficult to do the 80s list because we got some stuff that we're planning for doing it with the podcast as far as like franchises and episodes around, around those and seasons, you know, later seasons. So I had to find stuff that was not part of, franchises whatsoever and because of david cronenberg doing dead zone i figured well we might as well cover two cronenberg films so oh, so video I think i've seen right? drone, but it, it disturbs me it makes me feel ill and queasy and disturbs me so oh great day. yay and, uh, and, uh, well i'll put this on my list of record for a dream like i probably will never watch that film again for that same reason it just made me like disturbed it just hit me the wrong way yeah, um, so I'm interested to see how it affects me because when I saw it at the movie theater, I felt sick. I just, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't bear to watch it again. But I thought, well, let's put it on the list, force myself to watch it, and see how I feel from from a twenty, from a teenager looking at it now as a middle aged adult. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, also, I think now because we've seen so many other things that. I forget what film we watched that I think normally if I would have saw it that maybe it's toxic and just the way that the effects of, you know, I'm not much for gore. 
I just don't like gore that much. I'm not a gore person by any means, but after have seen some other films like Saw and like these torture porn, like, you know, Hostel and all this, like after that, you become a little desensitized to things. So when you watch, go back to watch them that you thought was so graphic and gruesome, you're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> you're like, that's, oh, that's good now. You're good, you know? Yeah. I mean, imagine, you know, also when you're watching stuff for the podcast, as you know, is that you kind of watch it it's kind of it's it's different than just watching a film. You're kind of watching it, and you're actually studying it at the same time. So you start it because you know you're going to be talking about it. It's kind of odd. Yeah. Um. So what do you like about podcasting now that you've been doing it going into your fifth year? Uh, you know, it's funny. In the beginning, I was so nervous because it was about trying to do it right. And like going back to Planet of the Apes, I was so nervous because I just didn't want to sound like a complete idiot. And I think what I love about the podcast is our spontaneity and how we are, though we have a formula and we always have a run of show, if you will, we hardly ever, I mean, we don't now at this point, we don't really follow it. I know you do because Keith has to, because of timing perspective has to look at, Oh yeah, I hit all the marks or where we put, you know, certain things inside the podcast that he has to later edit on. But I love that we kind of, flow off of each other and it is the level of when we talk about certain things our perceptions right how we perceive things versus how you know how i perceive versus you versus vicky or whoever right we it gives me a new view that i wouldn't have thought about right and so there are times when we discuss things i'm like oh and i'll go back and after the podcast and i'll I'll ponder on that a little bit and like maybe rewatch something and go, I did not see that. Or I did not. So I love that aspect of it. And I love that we're able to kind of share that with our audience because, um, because um, it's, it just allows us to kind of have fun with it. Right. And that's the point of all this is really just to kind of get people to kind of see different perspectives on a film and get people to be interested in films and, and, watching you know this is a couple of two things that i love which is literature and film and you know those there's a lot of people out there that you know like one or the other or both right and um yeah it, it definitely is um we we sometimes go sideways in the conversation but we always come back to where we we need to be because we just we end up that's how fun we end up having you know mm-hmm. and do you have a favorite quote or saying um for the longest longest time i used to always live by um live laugh or love you know it was just something my mom would always say like when things get tough things get hard ultimately it's just you know just going out having fun living life enjoying life loving the things that you're you know you love and you don't have to just love one thing you can love many things um but lately it's been oddly and interesting similarly entwined with the the word love is it was on WandaVision, um, but what is grief but love enduring? And I, I just think that's such an amazing thing. Uh, this last year and a half has been very difficult for a lot of people, and, and people, a lot of people have suffered loss. But knowing that and knowing that grief is just love enduring is such a beautiful thing. And I actually said that, that to my dad, my papa, when I went to go see him, that you know the love that you feel towards your wife is no longer with you. It's just love enduring. You know, and that's, that's a very powerful thing when you think about it. And do you have any special message for our fans about anything that's changed your life? Um, you know, it wasn't, I don't think I really received many messages. I think the one time Vicky had mentioned 
someone saying they missed me. And that was like, it was an amazing thing to feel that someone he- a, hears me or knows, you know, I'm a part of this. And B, it was like, it was really hard because I think in the first two seasons, I was always very present as much as I possibly could be. And then one point, you know, season three, I had to like talk to Keith and say, uh, you know, I have some personal things going on and with my family and I have, you know, just life choices that I had to make. And I had to kind of take a step back and, and reevaluate the time I was putting into things because it was very difficult with work and trying to always be present here and not in other aspects of my life. And it was difficult, but it was also lovely to hear that people miss me, you know, and like that was, it was nice to hear that, you know, from a fan and I always try to be present. And as Keith knows, like it's, um, it is a juggle. And I tell everyone have balance in your life. I don't know how Keith does half the things he does because he is always juggling 15 balls up in the air. Like he's literally just tossing and going, going, going. Um, But always try to have balance in your life. Always try to give yourself the space that you need in order to function and function at a point where you love what you do. And that's what I wanted to make sure that was, you know, important for me was I didn't want to walk away completely from this because I do love doing this. I just had to take a little bit of a sidestep a bit to give myself some of that time to do other things that were important to me. So, you know, again, yeah, it's creating balance, finding balance and, you know, thanking the listeners for being here and for showing up and to, please give us more feedback. Please give us more um, comments on what you want to hear, what, you know, what, what works and what doesn't for you, but, you know, definitely we love hearing from you. And when your time has passed on this blue marble that we're spinning around on, um, what do you want to best be remembered for? Oh, we're all going to die together tomorrow. The, the, there's a big asteroid that's coming out from outer space. It's just going to blow us. <laughs> um, I'm about to sign my arms open and ready to catch it. <laughs> I know, exactly. I, I remember a professor of mine would say, if the world was ever ending, this is a sci-fi class, if the world was ever ending, I'd give me a bottle of whiskey and a woman, and anyone who had seen whatever they're going to see on that street, you can either stay or go. <laughs> I just laughed, at him, but it was like, you know, he. so what I would say is um, – I would want people to remember, you know, that we all get forgotten at at a point in time, you know, that, that ultimately as we pass, you know, graves stay there and, and, and generations go after generations and we do get forgotten. And that is just a part of life. Right. So it is important to live now, to live, live as you are now, break down the walls that you build up for yourself and enjoy what you do. Um, This podcast has been a gift um, never would I have ever thought I would have been a part of this. And it's just been such a gift to be a part of something like this. And, and just to live, you know, life is too short. Um, it goes by so quickly. You know, I'm, I'm now 45. And it's, it's sort of like seeing my dad, who's now 82. It's like, wow, it just time just kind of moves. So, you know, just, just enjoy, live, you know. And as Steve Miller band said, time keeps on ticking, ticking, ticking. ticking. Yeah, just things keep going, you know. <laughs> you, never, you never want to believe that you're, you know, oh, my God, I'm going to be remembered. I'm going to be, you know, I think most people who are remembered are more people who were infamous than they are famous. Mm-hmm. So people who die, who died of overdoses or who have died of being really cruel or mean people, they get remembered throughout history. But, like, the people who actually do – good things, kind things. We're always there for the people they love. 
all those people end up dying eventually. They just, that just disappeared, you know? And I think it's, you know, again, it's just important to kind of live, live each day as they are, you know? Well, I think Lion King said it best. They live in you. (laughs) (laughs) True. They live and die in you. (laughs) Well, this brings us to the end of um, the Get If You Know You section. Um, You can listen to John Wilson do our two for one, which is the 80s for season five, which will start in September. And our first 80s will be Scanners from 1981 and Video Drone from 1983. We're all probably queasy in the same. <laughs> I can't wait. I'll be fucking for you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thanks again, John. Bye. Thank you, guys. Hello, welcome to Literary License Podcast, and it's getting to know Vicky Ray. Hello, Vicky. Welcome. Hi. To you. <laughs> you know, I don't like talking about myself. Uh, well, let's just see what. Let's see how much that comes true when we ask you our uh, first. Question. So, what do you like to do on your spare time, or what do you do for a living? What do I do for a living? Well, I used to be an archaeologist for a long time, and then I started having babies, so that wasn't gonna really go too well hand in hand especially if you travel a lot and then I was uh, working for as an executive admin for municipalities and then I just traded that all into me mom for a while and in between that I had an admin jobs and things like that and dabbled with archaeology still and got some traveling in got some traveling in this year not much because of COVID um, and now I've kind of like traded all that in to do the podcast and do some research for that. And I am a grandmother, which I totally enjoy. And I don't care what anybody says it's the best thing in the world because I get to go live vicariously through an eight year old and keep my youth, at least in my brain. So it's a lot of fun. <laughs> um, if someone wanted to follow you on social media or a website, where would they find you? I'm on everything, um, Instagram and Facebook, and I have a Twitter, but I don't dip my toe into Twitter that much because Twitter is for the faint of heart. One wrong statement and you'll get eviscerated. So I just pretty much stick to the podcasting stuff, um, llpodcast.com, et cetera, et cetera. Now, we deal with a lot of genres and stuff with the um, podcast. What's your favorite genre? It's going to have to be the horror genre. I've gotten to the point where, you know, I've seen so many of them. I, I feel guilty if I can't watch something every night or try to find something to watch. And I'm even, I've got a lot of horror forums that I, you know, just, just sit there. I'm looking for anything with shock therapy or jump scare value. But I mean, I like all of that old stuff and I like all the new stuff. So, I mean, it's, it's just a lot of fun, the horror genre. It's the one they've left alone for the most part. And I hope they continue to do so. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite um, film? Well, it's not a horror film exactly, but it's always been Braveheart. I think I've watched that movie like 15, maybe 20 times. I'm really guilty of it. I don't know why. It just struck me as just a great film. And it, it wasn't historically accurate, but I mean, the way that the movie was directed and filmed epically and beautifully, and it had a great message and story. Mm. Now, most of us um, have um, a film memory, but do you remember what the very first film that you saw? Well, I mean, I saw a lot of films. I can't really pinpoint one, but oddly enough, the one that I I remember when I was little and we didn't have a lot of channels, so we would watch Disney when it came on. What was it, Saturday or Sunday nights? I think Uh, it was Sunday uh, night. Wonderful World of Disney. Yeah, the Wonderful World of Disney would come on just because we didn't have all these choices of cable and internet TV and all that stuff. 
And I, I remember this one movie I loved and it got me really interested in history. You know, that's why I went to school and studied a lot of history. It was Johnny Tremaine. Don't ask me why. But that's the one film that sticks out other than my mother's monster movie matinee thing that we would do. We talk about it a lot coming out of Syracuse on Saturdays during the afternoon. But those are my favorite memories of first media. I think Johnny Tremaine also had Bobby Driscoll in it, the kid from Peter Pan and Song of the South and Treasure Island. I believe it was him. Yeah. Yeah. I would probably, you know what, I'm probably going to look it up just to see it because I haven't, I've like, I haven't seen it in decades, but if for some reason that film just stuck out. I don't know why it just, oddly enough, it just does. Well, that's what I say. I haven't thought of that film for ages, but once you said that all of a sudden Bobby Driscoll's face popped into my head. It's like Saga God, the South and all that. It's like the revolutionary war or something. Yeah, it was. A, it was I don't know. I don't, even, outfits. I don't even like, remember if it's a true story. It kind of like the red badge of courage, but it was a revolutionary war. I don't know why that stuck out of my head, but I always loved history ever since I saw that. So it's just one of those weird things that you just kind of in your psyche that you just don't remember that it's in there until you start talking about it. So funny. Yeah, something like that kind of like sparks something else or sparks an interest or something. Yeah. Like yeah. Never, I haven't thought of that film for years. Now that you mentioned it, it's like bits and pieces are now coming back to me. Yeah, so. you know, I don't know if he was the drummer boy or what it was, but it was just, it was, it was just a good flick because I don't know, Disney was a little less freaky back then about stuff and yeah. they just so, made movies. I imagine what was happening while you were in your um, home in Watertown and me on the farm, basically, we probably were watching it the same as that time. We probably were. You being like five miles down the road, watching the wonderful world of Disney on Sunday nights because we had, what, five channels? (laughs) Yeah. Wasn't it like seven? seven, No, actually, we had two to 13. 13 was the Canadian station. It still is. 13, Mm -hmm. well, 11 was WPIX out of New York. And then we had PBS as well. But my mom's... PBS was fine for like Sesame Street and Electric Company, but in the after in the evening they would play like classical stuff, you know, like Masterpiece Theater. I used to love Masterpiece Theater. They don't put oh, it on. My, I don't mom, think would, my mother would call that long hair hippie shit. That's what she used to call it. <laughs> I liked Masterpiece. I liked the intro. I liked the, the the sound. I don't know. I liked the music. You know that that trumpeting. What is it? The pomp and circumstance English kind of thing yeah. to inter- You know how they always you know put that that music. It just it just cracks me up. And that music actually gives me fond memories or those warm fuzzies, like you know when you smell something or hear something. Because my mother also liked it. That's kind of ironic. <laughs> What's your favorite book and author? That is hard. I've got a lot of favorite books and a lot of favorite authors. Um, I'm going to go with uh, one that, because because we just are revisiting it this year, I'm going to have to go with Peter Straub. I know everybody likes Stephen King, horror genre-wise and stuff, but I think a lot of people, I think Peter Straub kind of it gets missed by people in the mix because they're always looking for the big kings of horror. But he did write Ghost Story, and that was an excellent book. I've got it sitting on my table ready to reread for, you know, one of our podcasts, but I think he's one of those little or known authors in the, in that genre that doesn't get a lot of credit. I always call Stephen King the gateway drug into horror. Yeah, he has to be. And then you have to like, and then you have to like look for something more after. Well, you got R.L. Stein too, you know, you got stuff like that, but I mean, just once you get into that and it's something that you actually like, I mean, you're always looking for that next thing. And, you know, you get to the point where <laughs> you're watching the Serbian film. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> the one that everybody's freaking out about. Yeah. So it's not for the faint of heart. 
Well, Peter Peter Ostrov is also like the thinking man's horror as well. I think as well. Like, yeah, speaking, well, his books are like he's very you man's horror, don't you? So, well, you know how we just said that we're reading the Count of Monte Cristo, how he was ge- uh, ge- he was geographical in his book and stuff. Well, he's Peter Straub was kind of really geographical in his books, at least this one in particular, because he he really sets up the states and the background or where this is going and where that's going to happen. To my best recollection, so I'm kind of looking forward. I might actually start reading that this week again. And they also take a place like around where we grew up as well. I remember. Yeah, Lowville. He mentions yeah. Lowville and a couple of places where I've been. And I mean, when you see that, you can kind of relate to the the writing more. Just mm-hmm. like, I know that place. You know, we all know what that feeling's like. Like, oh well, someone finally put us on the map. Yay! Yay! Someone knows where Watertown, New York, is. What episode are you looking forward to in season five the most? The most. That's going to be a hard one. Uh, there's a lot of them. I actually probably uh, the Kings of Horror are going to be really good. I'm, I'm looking forward to Ghost Story, as we talked about. Uh, because for, for one reason, I don't know, that, that movie just scared the bejesus out of me. Mm. Years, years. I watch it now after all the stuff I have seen. And it's really small potatoes as far as, you know, all the, the gore and stuff, because, you know, we're all trying to outgore each other now, I think, because <laughs> I'm always asking Joe, or you'll say it's full of gore. And I watch, I watched, I started watching Slasher. That definitely outgored a lot of stuff as of late when I watched that. I mean, I was actually wincing last night watching Slasher <laughs> on, on Shudder. So that was. Oh, really that's rough. brilliant. I really enjoy oh, it. It's rough. I mean, the first episode is rough. I'm just going, okay, I found my gore. And it just, I mean, I'm going to watch the whole season, of course. I got to the third episode where they stopped yesterday, but I binged watched it last night. And I was just like, I mean, I was grimacing and it takes a lot to make me grimace. <laughs> That's all I can say. I said they say, I mean, that fight, in the, I mean, not, I'm not going to give anything away. That fight no. in the brutal <laughs> i know <laughs> just like god i was i mean i was really i was like this you know making that face you know you're making that face and i'm just gripping the pillow just because it's, it's really it, it's gory it's really gory and i suspect the whole season's gonna be gory my housemates know that i'm watching something that's quite disturbing because i normally can watch anything with gore but during yeah. the classroom oh oh i know that's what i was doing last night i'm going oh my god she's <laughs> <laughs> I never do that. I almost never do that. But I, I was know, doing that last night. And I've seen some disturbing films in my life. And I'm watching this TV series going, oh my God. Yeah, I was really surprised because they right out of the shoot, they don't even they don't even give you a lot of time. <laughs> they just right into it. Blood and gore. So um you've been podcasting now. We've been this is your fifth season with us. So what do you like about podcasting? You know, it's it's kind of it's kind of fun talking to all these people and we get to do these interviews with people. Otherwise, when, as a child, I would have never thought I've been able to speak to, you know, people like uh, Catherine Lee Scott and Lloyd Kaufman and, and all the people that we have on or have been on. And I'm looking forward to the seasons. We got new people and a couple of kind of people were guested that are now on. And I always seem to learn something, no matter what, we might get on a tangent or something like that. But almost every podcast, I have to say every podcast, I learned something I didn't know prior to that. And I really think that's cool. And we do a lot of research for this. So, I mean, it kind of like, it's sort of like a ripple effect. If I'm reading something, I'll find out something else. 
And then it just, you know, kind of really does expand your horizons. I never thought I'd be doing this in a million years. And I've always been appreciative of being involved. And it's just something, it's just, it's just, a, it's just, a, it's a good time. It's fun. You know, you get to talk to your friends about cool shit, you know? So, I mean, there's yeah, no downside. Uh, do you have a favorite quote or saying that you always go to? I don't usually always go to something, but I, in the last few years, um, you know, I always say, I always kind of go back to, actually, it's a Dr. Zeus. Sometimes you will never know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. Because everybody in your life that comes into your life, whether, you know, they're in your life still or not, and if you, if you love them as friend, family, or otherwise, I mean, <clears throat> everybody is kind of a gift, I'd like to say, or any memory that you can remember. I mean, it's sort of like being a child. I still try to remember things from when I was really little, so I never forget. But I do, do see as the years go by that things kind of are running into each other, and I can't remember everything I'd like to remember. But um, I just think that life is precious. And we need to make memories and remember everything. And do you have any special message for our fans about anything that's changed your life or anything that's made it toward the better? Well, I don't know if things are toward the better. I think that a lot of things happen to us and we have to revolve past it or adapt to life. I lost my son five years ago and and, and it, was, it was a horrible thing. And uh, he was only 24 and we took him off life support. But the one thing I had noticed that I found some purpose with that all these, you know, five years later that I'm not alone and that there's parents everywhere that have to endure this. And I've met so many wonderful people and, and, and we all decide, you know, we get together and then there's somebody that we call the newcomer to the club that nobody wants to belong to. And we like to help people because it's hard, you know, because it's a life sentence for people that lose children little or adult. And so that's the one thing. That's why I always say life is precious and appreciate those around you because you just never know. And as you know, that basically life will pass us by one day. And it's passing day. by now. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Sometimes very quickly. Um, so when, when your life has passed on this earth, um, what would you best want to be remembered for? I'd, I'd like to be remembered for making people laugh or just, you know, taking a bad moment and trying to make it funny yeah, or something like that. I mean, I get more, I mean, I get, you know, everybody knows who I, I mean, I know they know I'm overbearing and whatnot. And I've got, I'm a very opinionated person, but most people tolerate that <laughs> like you <laughs> in the middle of the week. It's like, did you see that? But mm-hmm. um, I would like to take away the fact that I, I can make people laugh sometimes. And I really enjoy that. And uh I just want my my kids, my remaining children, and my grandchild, or hopefully grandchildren. I'm keep getting ripped off here. I want more. Um, they will remember me as you know somebody who stood their ground, and my mom raised me to to do that and to never back down. And I would like everybody in my family be strong and steadfast, and just get through life because it's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart, that's for sure. And before we go, let's give um, a little bit of um, information about you. So you live in Texas now. Um, where did you grow up and how, how did you end up in Texas? 
Well, that's always a loaded question. Well, um, I was working archaeology many, many years ago when I had Justin, and I was married to somebody else at that time. I grew up in Watertown, New York. You, of course, grew up in Sackets Harbor. We kind of probably were ships passing in the night back then. And Watertown is northern, northern New York. People don't realize, you know, they always laugh at me down here. I go, there's a whole state attached to the city. And northern New York is on the St. Lawrence River, Canadian border, Lake Ontario side. And so it was, it's a very beautiful place to, to grow up. But I, you know, married one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And I ended up in Texas. And uh, it was hard being down here away from family and stuff. But I have made a life here. My children have made a life here. And um, other than it being really hot and muggy right now, it's not that bad. Well, there's all kinds of stuff going on in Texas right now. So, well, what I do is want to thank you for doing this interview, and we'll be seeing you very, very soon. For the of lecture. course. Yeah. Bye. Talk to you later. You know. Hello, welcome to Lit Your License Podcast, and we are getting to know Tom Diamond. Hello, Tom. Hello, Keith. And and I think Vicky's over there too. Yes, I am. Hey. hey, hey, guys, how you doing today? We's good. Yeah, yeah. many people don't know that um, Tom's been doing the Dark Shadows um, episodes with us, and Tom is also a voice artist. He does voiceovers and yes, um, also dabble. does a lot of voice characters for us. So, Tom, what else do you do in your spare time? Not so spare as I would like it, but uh, in the, in so aside from dabbling in voiceovers in the real world, I am currently an adjunct professor at uh, Stephen F. Liston Unit State University in business communications under my real name, which the Dark Shadows fans know, but uh, which I'll, I'll which I'll keep to myself. There's a mystery for anybody who wants to find that. Okay, you can go look at any bathroom. His name is everywhere. And yes, call Tom for a good time. Yes, and the phone number. And Vicky's been putting them on all the bathrooms. I've included all the pertinent information. Exactly. Yes, Vicky's my agent. You see. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So uh, so I'm doing that. I'm going for my doctorate in human resources management at uh, North Central University. Uh, in the real world, I used to be a medical board investigator in New York State. And then I went into human resources and have 12 years of that. And uh, so I am, and of course, a Dark Shadows fan from way back when. So uh, I would love to get back to my computer gaming. I haven't been able to do that in ages. And now I might just be able to, um, you know, take a little, take a little time and, wake up and smell the coffee because uh, when we're living in you got to find some good stuff out there uh but uh that's what i do that's what i do well is there anything you'd like to to plug whether it's a social media or your website or anything you'd like to get out there to everybody well uh certainly if anybody if there are any voiceover agents out there Please contact me. Uh, I would love to hear from you at tom.diamon at llpodcast.com. That would be very nice. Um, I am also host of a a real-world podcast uh, with the American Society of Public Administration, since I have a public sector background, and it's called Public Sector Works, and we do... um, 
we interview uh, prominent people in the South Florida area, and that's where I live. We interview prominent people in public sector as well as in academe. And uh, we started that last December, and it has uh, a pretty decent, uh, you know, considering uh, we're on Podbean, LinkedIn, YouTube. No, not YouTube yet. Podbean, LinkedIn, Facebook, and a couple of other and a couple of other places. But Podbean is our main uh, thing right now, and we're expanding. And we were voted, and not to blow my horn, but we were voted uh, by Yelp magazine out of the uk we were voted one of the 20 best podcast uh, 20 best public sector podcasts for 20 good deal i didn't know that that's cool yeah i like to keep stuff like that under wraps but yes uh i thank you and uh so so that's another thing that i'd like to uh and of course i'm very proud to be with your group uh because uh as a lifelong dark shadows fan it's enabled me to give back uh to the fandom uh so that's where so that's that's what i do now we discussed a lot of different um genres and stuff and you've actually jumped from dark shadows into some of our other episodes so Mm -hmm. what is your favorite genre horror uh it be it makes makes sense uh i was exposed to it at a very early age I used to watch it with my father back in brooklyn new york creature features on channel five which uh, i'm sure you guys got too and chiller theater on channel 11 uh the new york stations and uh was prior to dark shadows i was into uh the classics lugosi carlock Cheney, uh, the Universal Horror Cycle, uh, which w- was great when I first saw that on Creature Features. Uh, and uh, yes, the sci-fi to a certain extent, and British horror, the Hammer films. The, I just saw a great Hammer retrospective, uh, which is on Amazon Prime, uh, where which Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing hosted. And they interviewed a lot of people. Uh, but in any event, to answer your question, Horror fantasy, I love Star Trek. I never could get into Star Wars that much. Uh, but yes, I'm a Star Trek fan from way back. Uh, I, a, a Trekker, serious fan. Uh, went to the first Star Trek convention and back in New York. And uh, so I'm pretty knowledgeable on that. And um, so I would say horror fantasy uh, would be a primary sci-fi. And believe it or not, uh, I do like musicals uh, for a change of pace. Uh, my favorite movie is Bye Bye Birdie, and uh, I heard you, Keith. Uh, that's Anne Margaret, though. That's right, Anne Margaret, yeah. my first crush. Oh my God, Anne Margaret, sex kitten, if you ever saw. Oh that. my God, oh, I was so jealous of Bobby Rydell and Bye Bye Birdie. I would have wanted to punch him Bobby out. Bobby Rydell looked like a human turtle against. Anne <laughs> <laughs> um, Margaret is just sexy. I mean, I show she people is. her. And oh, when you see Bye Bye Birdie, she's 18 years old in that. And this yes, one, yes. she just, she's you, know, good, what, you know, when she's saying there are men, and that's right for kissing. It's, it's like, oh my that's God, right. That's right. Got a lot of women to do. I always like one boy, one special boy, she's one boy to together last all these years, too. She's still good looking. No matter how old she's gotten, uh, in her in her late seventies or early eighties, and she's, she's still, still she's still she's kicking it. Still, she's still a beauty, uh, and uh, well, I never forgot. Actually, AOL when they first started uh, had these interviews. Uh, you know, they got they got these stars and they put them on to type. Uh, you know, just to get their name out there, and Anne Margaret was one of them, and. Uh, 
I got on the list and they came to me. I was shocked. And and uh, I told her, I said, you know, when Bye Bye Birdie first appeared at Radio City Music Hall back in 1963, I went with my mother to see it over the Easter, uh, you know, for the Easter show. And uh, she had been there with her parents. So she says, Tom, we're bonded. And I almost fell out of my chair. <laughs> And then she says, what do you look like? Oh, I'm just kidding. I wish he hadn't been. Uh, <laughs> so that was, but Anne Margaret is a favorite. And Carousel, uh, I know uh, you were a fan of the Music Man, Keith. I remember that from your interview. And um, I remember when the Music Man first came out in 1960, all the kids around the block uh, gathered. They were all talking about it, and they were all marching like seventy-six trombones. So that was fun. That that brought memories. My back. daughter took me to a right before COVID happened. She had to do some like plays, and you know they have the little theaters everywhere, sort of like things. And I, I've always loved music, man. She took me to a a play, and I hadn't been to one in so long, and I enjoyed it so much. I forgot how great theater was, and how fun yeah, it is, and yeah. interactive it is. I mean, yes. I, I just, it's just fantastic to go every so often. It kind of makes me want to go again. I'm hoping that, you know, things keep going as they go so I can. Well, so that would be your favorite. Those are your favorite films, Tom? So let's see. Uh, so, yeah. So Bye Bye Birdie is probably my all-time favorite and Carousel and the Music Man. And as far as horror is concerned, uh, the Lugosi Dracula and the Universal Horror Cycle. And, and as a secondary, it would be the Hammer Dracula, the Hammer Lee. Now, what's your um, earliest film memory that you have? Like the first film that you ever saw? Great Anne question. Margaret. Great question. <laughs> Anne Margaret. I wish Anne Margaret was a great vampire. She would have made a great vampire. She would have uh, made a great vampire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she was in Kitten with a Whip, which was the closest thing she ever got. To I her. love her in Grumpy Old Men. I just oh, I was adore wonderful. Adore that movie. I, and more and, and more Grumpy Old Men. But uh, but to answer Keith's question, Chronos. Uh, I, that's the earliest movie I ever saw that was on, it was on channel 13 in New York before they became an educational station and they were showing sci-fi. So I remember seeing Kronos and, uh, with my father and I, and I really enjoyed that. And, uh, from then on in, I go to the Saturday matinees at my local movie theater, which showed the Manster and some of these, uh, schlocks, fifties, sci-fi films and, uh, and so forth. Uh, but the eye. yeah, yeah. The, the, eye. Eye, the, the eye that would chase you through yep. it was a big calling, eyeball. Calling eye with Forrest Tucker. Yes, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I was <laughs> looking for that oddly enough the other day. Go, I go, I know I, there's a movie with this giant eyeball. Yeah, I watched it. It's on the killer movie channel. It's on the uh, is, it, is it? The brain from planet Aris. The brain. Oh my God. That was even with John Agar, you know, after oh Shirley my God, Temple those are just. Him. So bad. There's one about Hitler's brain. There's one about Hitler's brain. They saved yes, Hitler's brain. Yes. I think that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we could God. do oh a whole God. season just on that stuff, you know? Oh my God, the Manster, the Manster. Everybody was screaming when they saw this guy with two heads and stuff like that. And Vader um, from Mars is another oh. one of my favorites. And Ray Milan, that man with the X-ray eyes—is uh, yeah. that what it was called? Yeah, yeah, that was a real. That was a, especially the end of the film, you know, where they, if the eye offends, they pluck it out. 
Okay. Yeah. You know, and that was. Uh, I that love was, Ray Milan back then. He's pretty good too. Oh, he was. He was very, and you know, he was seasoned. And it yeah. Was, it was fun that he did horror later in his life because before he did. But Lost Weekend could really be considered horror of a realistic nature, and that was a wonderful uh, foray into alcoholism. Uh, but Kronos was my earliest memory. Do you have like a favorite book and author? Well, it's hard, I know, to pinpoint it. I had a hard time with this one. Well, I'm a Sherlock Holmes fan also. <laughs> I've neglected to mention that. And I went to the Baker Street regular dinners, a couple of them when I was in college in New York and uh, was a member of various science societies. So I would say that in terms of my favorite, my favorite movies growing up in that year, in that vain were the Rathbone films, uh, the Rathbone Bruce, Bruce films. Basil, Basil Rathbone. Basil, Basil Rathbone. Everybody Basil or thought, Basil? <laughs> he's Basil. Everybody thought he was quintessential Holmes until Jeremy Brett came along. Right. And then Jeremy Brett really took that over. You know, he was an amazing, amazing. If you think that Jeremy, I think Basil Rathbone just looked like Sherlock Holmes. He did. He did. He know. had that very British, you know, we well, came from South to... Africa, actually, originally. Right. He spoke like five, six languages. He was a very smart man. I didn't know he spoke that many languages. Yeah, I knew he was yeah. bilingual. So did Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee. That I did know. Yeah, he, he spoke a lot. But yeah, but uh, so Basil Rathbone was a. Uh, he was a seasoned character. It's a shame what they did to Nigel Bruce because, you know, the original Watson was a, you know, just an average fellow, but an intelligent one who happened to team up with a genius. But Nigel Bruce made a bumbling oaf out of him, and all the Sherlockians were very upset about that. Uh, so, I, so I, you know, so I would think, you know, so, so my taste in movies goes over, goes over into the, into Sherlockiana. And if I see something, uh, new, uh, I always try to make a point of seeing it. What about favorite book? Author. Favorite books. So the Doyle, the Doyle, uh, short stories and, um, Four novels based on Holmes were probably uh, some of you know my first favorite. I used to love Stephen King uh, before he got into the gross out, but the early <laughs> Stephen King, the gross out, the gross out. Yeah, you know, I mean, I kind of think he's, but that's my own opinion. So I think people just wanted a little more gore in their life, probably. Who you knows? I was very annoyed when Stephen King and Don's Macabre referred to Dark Shadows as a Mad Hatter's tea party. Uh, I had no recollection of that. I, yeah, this is the first take, I heard that one. Take a look at Don's Macabre. Never, if you ever read, I don't that, think I've read that. Yeah, I don't maybe, believe I yeah, have. That's an this old is Stephen King's view on horror movies and television. I have not read it. Yeah, what a yeah. one. He does. He does ramble on a bit in the ramble, yeah. But the early King, I thought was I couldn't put Salem's Lot down and uh, The Shining and uh, so I. Those so are all I'm, excellent books. So I would say, yeah, so I would say my favorite, I never really got into, so I'd say my, my favorite author, you know, I, I I was more visual in terms, I love to look at horror, foreign horror movies also, Mexican horror movies, the Italian ones and so forth, Mario Baba, uh, Dario Argento, uh, of course, Paul Nashi in Spain. But in terms of books, I would say the Sherlock Holmes stuff and anything I used to get my hands on, anything regarding Holmes. Don't forget your love of H.G. Wells as well. Well, it's not uh, it's not number one, but it's certainly I love uh, certainly. It's I love hard it. to narrow one book down. I love reading a lot of stuff. 
You know, uh, I can I I I nailed one book down because it's still my favorite. Everything, nothing has compared to that one. One of my favorite books. I was more a fan of the movie than the book, uh, and especially Alan Young. You know, we was all it, you, was the, the other people say, "I'm not going to read the book." There's a movie. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But it did. A, but it did a heck of a lot for the genre, and uh, so. That's where I am there. What episode are you looking forward to doing most this season for season five of the Literary License Podcast? Well, of course, I'm devoted to Dark Shadows, and we're going to uh, 40 episodes a clip uh, next month. And so that's going to be double duty. Um, Certainly it'll be a challenge, and I'm I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I'm sure uh, you'll just coast. I'm not even worried about you. You'll be fine. Well, if I fall, then you'll pick me up. Exercises going on there. <laughs> if I fall down, Vicky, you'll pick me up. Jeez, Don't worry, we all got you. We're getting, we're getting ready for the dips, the dips and ups, the highs and lows of Dark Shadows are coming. Up. Yeah, this is where we separate, you know, the hairy chest from the non-hairy chest. That's for sure. <laughs> as long as women aren't working. In fact, I was looking at the episodes because we're going to tape on Friday, and and I was like, I mean, hear that music, dum. Yeah, um, these are all great episodes. Though. I'm looking forward to these. These are they're fun. these have been great. I mean, I, I'm I'm thrilled for these episodes. I, I, I don't have nothing bad to say about this. I have enjoyed I mean, them. This is going to be the last great block. Yes, yes. Oh well, man, yeah. I don't remember because I was a kid. So don't ruin it for me. Don't say this is the last great block because I, there's, I some great, opt- there's some great stuff coming up. But this, as far as like the one that moves the quickest, the most cohesive, the most cohesive, and where everybody. Well, so far this has been extremely cohesive. Yeah, everybody was remembered here, Uh, but I have enjoyed my occasional forays. uh, I joke and say I'm going beyond the crypt uh, into other areas of uh, of your show, and uh, I enjoy doing the time machine. I enjoy doing the black cat when we did that with Lugosi, the 34 black cat, which is certainly one of my, uh, and that is another one of my favorite uh, films from the 30s, the Lugosi Karloff teams. And um, I uh, I hope I can uh, do something with you in the future. We were going to, we were, we were planning something. Uh, I think, I, I think I was thinking of the universal horror cycle. I don't remember yeah, exactly right now. Universal wanted, hot horror cycle. But, um, it, yeah, yeah, and that would be nice. Uh, of course, Dracula would be a favorite if, uh, if we were to, if you were to pick a monster. We're going to do all the oldies and no yeah. oldies. And I think that's great. And I think that's great because uh, I'm into, of course, the, the legacy of Dark Shadows. But the legacy of horror is something that uh, is good psychological horror, good. Uh, you know, good. You know, black and white uh, carry a skewer, uh, Although people do like the color and the gore and the blood and everything like that, but when it was left up to somebody to use his, his or her imagination, that always has a big impact as well. It does. Yeah, sort absolutely. of like Jaws. You don't really see the monster until mm-hmm. later. You know, or the haunting. You know, if you're looking at Chevy Chase on Saturday Night Live, you can see the Jaws, uh, yeah. the Jaws thing. If you remember oh my God, I forgot about that. <laughs> I remember when he did that. Uh, but uh, yeah, so those are a few of the things that I'd be interested in working. Uh, what do you us. like about podcasting? That's a great question. Um, it gives me a chance to 
you know, to to give back in terms of my own knowledge uh, to the fa- to uh, to your listeners, um, I think it's I, I think it's great to uh, you know to practice my voiceovers when I get a chance, and uh, also the camaraderie. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, you know, there are fun things. Uh, you know, I'll never forget when we tangents. Used- Lots yeah. of tangents. Well, hey, but it's great. That's like, you know, Marie Wallace actually said that about the interview I did with her, and which just came out recently. And she was saying, it, she was saying on, on Facebook that it reminded her of an old episode of Dark Shadows because you never knew what question was going to come up next. Just like in Dark Shadows, you never knew what was going to happen. So I think that's what I like most about the uh, the podcast experience because you don't know what's going to happen next. I, I, I was going to say when we interviewed the late Robert Rodan right. and I started a, and I had made, made it up with him in advance. So I started munching on the chicken, on the chicken leg. And then later on, well, don't do that. Don't do that again. Don't, don't munch on the chicken. You can hear, you can hear yourself chewing and stuff like right. that. But who knew that was going to happen? You know, that's the, that's the kind of fun, the unexpected. And, uh, well, that's what I appreciate. Parker, um, interview that we did is like, we kind of went through our career and we got to race the devil and everything else. And then, then we go, we just said, we're just about to say goodnight. And all of a sudden we got into a really good conversation about witchcraft and uh-huh. witches and, it turned into like a fantastic interview that we actually wow. went, you know, that we got some really good stuff by the end of that interview sort of thing. So that's what's quite fun about the interview, not really having a script, just knowing it's like, okay, we know what we need to hit, but mm-hmm. not, it's, it's a spontaneity. It's a spontaneity. And I think that's what really differs a podcast from a rehearsed thing where you go, you know, where you go through ABCDE and it can get kind of boring after a while, but with spontaneity, you never know what's going to happen next. That's, I learned more, different. more factoids on spontaneity or just anything. Every time we record a podcast, doesn't matter what topic it is. Mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. honestly say I've taken something away from almost every podcast. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and, and it's a great treat for me. And, uh, and from the dark shadow side, I've met a number of celebrities and, uh, formed a couple of good friendships. And, uh, I'm pretty pleased about that. Uh, yep. Uh, so, but so, so there are all kinds of good things that can happen from podcasts, but those yeah. are a few of them. What's your favorite quote or saying? I was thinking about that one. Um, I like the one, and, you'll, and I forget whether it was Bar- Byron or Browning or whatever, or, or, or uh, a man's reach should exceed his grasp or what's a heaven for. Uh, and uh, I, I try to do that with, uh, with, with my life, uh, but sometimes uh, I can bite off more than I can chew, uh, with apologies to Dark Shadows and Vampires. But uh i can you know but but i think it's a good thing ad astra per aspera is another one to the through this to the stars through hard work so i think those are a couple of the a couple of the and when i've gone through whatever tough times i went through in my life not too many but a couple of them uh i like mark twain's quote uh, uh the rumors of my death are greatly exaggerated yeah, so that's a good uh, one. It always yeah yeah so there you are so there you are mm-hmm. Do you have like any special message you'd like to get out to our fans or anything that's changed your life you'd like to impart on everybody? Well, personally, well, I mean, personally, obviously, I mean, the fans know a little more about my personal life. I'm engaged to be married, and hopefully that will happen next year uh, once COVID thing straightens out. But I think in terms of a, in terms of a message, I'm just, 
I want to thank uh, the fans in the dark shadows realm who have been supportive to me and who have given me some nice positive feedback on the efforts that, on, the, on the small efforts that I've made. Uh, and uh, I try to think of myself not only as a podcast co-host, but as a Dark Shadows fan myself who cares very deeply about the show and about the legacy. No one uh, could doubt your passion for Dark Shadows. Uh, not at all. Well, thank you, Vicki. You're kind of like the go-to. for. You're like a fountain of information. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I always well, text you all like, what's going on here? <laughs> As long as I don't regurgitate the fountain, uh, <laughs> I think I'm, I think I'm doing all right. Now, I got I'm not alone in terms of fountains of fonts of information. We had Danielle Penny Dreadful on a couple mm-hmm. months ago. She's very, she very knowledgeable. Is, she's my equal as far, as far as I'm concerned. And although he's never been on here, uh, I could say Charlie Ellis, uh, has been well known in the fandom for his, uh, for his trivia. Uh, there is, there is no doubt. Uh, but I would like, but I though, as far as I'm concerned, I want to thank the fans for listening to me and putting up with me sometimes and applauding me at other times. And so that's where I am. Cool. Yeah. So when your time has passed on this great earth and the marble that we live on goes spinning round and round, and what do you want to be best remembered for? Oi, wait. Well, I'll tell you, um, that's my Jewish Brooklyn coming out. Um, (laughs) Who wants, you know, mortality? I used to be fanatophobic, as a matter of fact. And, uh, uh, you know, Keith will go into all kinds of stuff on the fear of death and and what that represents. Uh, You know, part of the thing of being interested in the vampire mythos is the immortality, the knowledge that is accumulated over hundreds of years, the money, in fact, um, there was a book that came out years ago by a Dr. Noreen Dresser, uh, on, uh, who's an English professor, and it was on the American vampire. And she said that the vampire mythos is really the American dream, if you think about it, because the vampire, once again, comes from money, has all kinds of knowledge, can live forever, sexuality, uh, and, and so forth. Um, so if my, what I would like to be remembered for is uh, that comes from Star Trek, actually, sitting on the edge of forever. Let me help. Uh, and I'd like to think that I've helped people. I, I enjoy what I'm doing right now in terms of helping uh, my undergraduate college students. Uh, and uh, I have enjoyed helping the public health when I was in, when I was a medical board investigator, getting people jobs when I was in HR. Uh, and... Um, I'd like to be remembered for helping, and I'd, uh, and I'd like when if somebody mentions my name, whether it's Tom Diamond or my real name, uh, they, there's a smile that comes to their face, uh, and I hope that happens. Sure it does. And we want to thank you, Tom, for your wealth of knowledge for Dark Shadows, and we're looking forward to Season 5 and us grudging our ways to the end and hopefully uh, I told you when this first carry started. each other over that finish line I told you <laughs> when this first started that I wanted to stay with it to the end and I will oh we and, knew you would and I have to well of course I mean you know but and, 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 and no none of the fans know this but how did I hook up with you guys you had put in an ad on Facebook on one of the websites and yeah, I answered it remember that. and I answered it and somebody else answered it saying who are you <laughs> 
I didn't say that. Did you? No, no, no. Somebody else, some one of the other fans answered and saying, "What is this? <laughs> Who are you? What the hell is this about?" You know that kind of thing. But I had a good feeling. I said, "I know what this is about," and uh, I'm very glad. I'm very glad you hired me, and uh, and I look forward not only to seeing the original series to the end, but the other stuff that we do have. And I'm going to let Keith talk about that in the future. But there are a couple of other little surprises we yep. have down the line, and I'm looking forward to participating in that too. As well and as with the new Dark series, Dark Shadow series, um, might be coming closer than we think. They Who keep saying that. They I keep was going to say that. that Friday. The article just came out a few days ago. I texted you guys. With Did Jeff, it. Is that what you said? I haven't had a chance to finish reading that. Is that what you it, sent us? Yes, it was an interview with. Uh, now I have to start remembering his name, but the but he's the guy uh, Perry. Perry is the last name, I believe it is, and he's. Is this going to be a CW thing? Not anymore. No, CW turned it down. So he's hawking it. He's hawking it. But he's already got some stuff in mind. And it's, and he said it in the article, it's going to involve Vicky's daughter uh, coming back to Collinwood uh, because she found out she owns half of it. And starting with that, yeah, Vicky's daughter. Was there ever a child? Okay, there's not a child in the series. Nope, nope. So how did that? So this is going to be one of those surprises. This is kind of um, what one of the storylines I put forward. Or if you remember, Keith, (laughs) maybe you should write them a letter. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Maybe who knows? Or maybe I should. Uh Once it gets made, maybe I need to chase up some royalty. Yeah, <laughs> spread it. My send, idea. Send all of us checks, Keith. We deserve it. Okay. Uh, but isn't that something? If that if that was really Trust great. Me, but yeah. <laughs> but you know, but that that is exciting. I mean, listen, if it happens, it happens. I mean, Precisely. you know, there, this could be clickbait too. Uh, to see how if they're still. Well, everybody is just so hungry for it. You know, lots the fans think, just want it. You know, so. you no, know, the fans are. The fans are. And then there's that thing with Night of Dark Shadows where mm-hmm. Ansel Farage is working on getting it restored with 30 minutes that was cut out of the original. That I cannot wait for. Everybody wants that. And Warner Brothers is taking their time with it. And of course. In shame. Uh, because I think there's a market for it. And uh, Pat McRae's new book, uh, The Dark Shadows Day Book, is selling extremely well. And we're in it. And we are this in it. This is true. You're in it. I'm in it. We're I'm going to have it. to order a copy. I, that's what I got to do. I've got to put that down. On Amazon Prime, uh, for those who are interested. And uh, so uh, so I'm looking forward to the rest of the run. Or keeping you, keeping you on after the run as well. So Excellent. Excellent. There we go. Thank you for you inviting want- me today. So we want to thank you, Tom, for doing your interview with us. And we will be seeing you with Dark Shadows. Coming to our fans very, very soon. Always the last week of every month. That's correct. Last Friday we tape, and then it'll come out a few days later. Thank you very much once again to both of you. It was a pleasure. Not a problem, hon. Hello. Welcome to the Your License Podcast. And it's a Getting to Know You episode starring Jesse Fultz. Hi, Jesse. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fine. And I thought that we would get to know you by asking you this following question. Who are you and what do you do for a living or on your spare time? And what do you want people to know publicly? 
Wow, that's a lot. Um, how do I break that down? Um, well, I am. Uh, I'm going to school right now. Uh, I'm trying to get an uh, art major. I'm majoring in art. Um, I love to draw. Um, I like old TV shows. I like old music. Um, and um, yeah, someday I, I guess um, I'd like to I know, write or do something with TV. I'm also in a play right now, which I can actually finally announce because I'm confirmed as um, a cemetery ghoul for the play The Night of the Living Dead. So that's always fun, too. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, help me out here. <laughs> so where is The um, Night Living Dead going to play? In your hometown? The Bradley Playhouse. Um, yeah, close close here but my hometown's in minnesota and i'm in connecticut at the, at the moment so i actually um they actually had a production of the stage show night living dead here in, in london i didn't go see it. i really oh. wanted to but it got really good reviews okay so it should be quite interesting yeah i was actually considered for the role of johnny um but I'm kind of glad I got the zombie instead because I'll be one of the zombies that actually makes it through the entire play, but Johnny gets killed off right away. So <laughs> at least I'll be in the play the whole time. Yeah. I guess if you're Johnny, all you do is I'm getting to know you, Barbara, isn't it? They're coming to get you, Barbara. Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Johnny, stop. <laughs> you have no idea how many actors and actresses they picked for that role at first and had them do it. And there's only like a couple... Um, that I thought did a really good job because um, mm-hmm. some people try to overact the role and some people don't I felt like the actors that would play Johnny and Barbara didn't know how to get that sibling vibe energy down it was always like it, it, some of the guys that played Johnny they didn't know how to be like a sarcastic um, someone that likes to joke around with you they, they kind of played it off as a like a goody, a goody two shoes. Like they didn't, they didn't deliver the lines with the appropriate um, amount of sarcasm or whatever. So you didn't really feel that sibling dynamic either, and I didn't find that enjoyable. But there's a couple people that did a really good job. Oh, I can't wait to find out more about it when it got, when we get close to the time. Yeah, me too. <laughs> if people wanted to follow you on social media or or on your website, where would they go to? Oh, um, my website is www.amalgamationstudios.com. And otherwise, I'm on Facebook as just, you know, Jesse Fultz or whatever. So, um, yeah, otherwise, I do also have an Instagram for my art um, at dark underscore amalgam. Think, something like that <laughs> but I haven't used it in a while so I don't know those are the only things that I use and we cover a lot of different genres here at the Literary License Podcast what's your favorite genre? Uh, I really like the horror and fantasy stuff but mostly the I like to cover like the older horror um, anything that has to do with vampires, ghosts, witches werewolves I, th- I feel like i'm just listing off criteria for dark shadows but um that's one of my favorites and i i i love the bewitch one that we do too and um yeah but horror has to be my favorite because i like a lot of those older horror films that we cover and what's your favorite film 
Ooh. Oh, that's so hard. I have so many. I don't know. Lately, I've been really intrigued by Black Sunday. So I guess I'll list that one for now just because I've been really interested in that one. I don't know. It's been influencing a lot of like my more witchy projects. Which um, one? Black Sunday. Huh? Which one? Black Sunday. Yeah, Black, Black Sunday with Barbara Steele. Oh, yes. I love that Mar- uh, Mario Bava film. Mm-hmm. And it also influenced um, Tim Burton's version of Sleepy Hollow, the way that they did the sets and stuff, because it was, um, I forget what it's called, like the specific kind of closed indoor sets where you can create the atmosphere. But um, that's something I learned about my movies class as well. And I was just fascinated by how you can build that world and it creates this kind of, there's something very eerie about it. And I don't know, despite that, they made movies feel so much more atmospheric than they do nowadays. I don't know why. I feel like everything gets lost in translation now because there's so much going on, but um, I feel like the limitations gives them something. Um, well, Black Sunday, special. we got that actually penciled in for season six. <gasps> Ooh, that's exciting. I, I want to I be that one. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I love Barbara Steele anyway. And Barbara Steele went into the 1991 Dark Shadow as well. Yep, it's true. It's true. She really brought that character. I, I don't feel like a lot of actors fit the role that they were picked for, but I think she did. Yeah, she made a good Julia Hoffman. What's your earliest film memory or, or that you can remember? My earliest film memory? Um, definitely The Wizard of Oz. My mom... Um, we used to have like these magazines that um, had uh, books and movies in them. And that, that was when they were still VHS and stuff. Actually, we got the Wizard of Oz film from Target, but we got this Wizard of Oz book. Um, it's the annotated version of L. Frank Baum's um, children's novel. Um, she got that from that as well as like a box set of like Jurassic Park. And then we found the, Wiz- the Wizard of Oz at Target. And um, my mom first would like tell the story of the Wizard of Oz and I could always visualize it in my mind because I was so intrigued by, I don't know, just the concept of it. There's something that was even more intriguing than like Alice in Wonderland to me. Um, And then when I saw the movie, I felt like I had already seen it because I don't know, I guess my mom did a really good job of telling the story and I could visualize all the colors and stuff like that. But um, we didn't have very many films growing up at first because we didn't have a lot of money or a lot of things, but the wizard of Oz is definitely one of my earliest films that my mom introduced us to as kids. So, and then we got, um, what's, I guess our next question would be, what's your favorite book and author? This might sound like a repeat of what I just said, but maybe Ella Frank Baum and the wizard of Oz, just because that, I don't know. That's been such like a family book. That's been, in our family for such a long time. My mom told it to me, read it to us as kids. I read it to my siblings. And uh, I've always been fascinated by the story as well as the um, the artwork. And it, it is darker than the movie too. So I do like that, that aspect. And it also is a real place as well. But it also, I'm all about like, I don't know, like spiritual alchemy and like the unseen hidden stuff. And Ella Frank Baum's book is kind of all about that, like spiritual alchemy and um, I don't know, like shadow work or something like that. Um, things that I, I've read about when studying various forms of, I don't know, like magic or something. Just for some of my projects that I, I like to write about, um, 
but his story is featured in a lot of films, like just as a cameo kind of reference, just because it's one of those earlier stories that like, I don't know, has like the secret theosophy. I don't know. I don't want to say agenda, but it has like the belief in practice kind of weave through it. I don't know, accidentally or not accidentally, but a lot of stories use that. There's also a lot of the hero's journey story in there that you can find in like Lord of the Rings, um, Star Wars and things like that. So I feel like it, it's a familiar story to people um, and it's relatable, even though it's in a totally fantastical world. And that's what I like about it. So, Well, I mean, to be honest, with as far as the book of Wizard of Oz goes, um, I read it and loved it. I would like to see a real adaption to it. I want to see them go there. No, me too. Me too. And I kind of hope no one does it before I do, because I want to be the person to do it. Cause I have so many cool ideas and I'd at least want to be included in it. If you know, it was going to be done. So I, I hope someone out there waits for me <laughs> in the universe. To, um, There's so many ways to be able to do everything that you probably couldn't do from the, you know, the 1930s version. I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to you because most like, animation you kind of got a CGI yeah. you could do you can go that route you can do you can do like a, um, a computer animation of it if you you know like a Pixar yeah. kind of thing which I'm just saying that, and you could do or you could do a live action there's just so many ways yeah. you can do it now so I'd probably want to do a live action one and do as limited amount of CGI as possible um, just to create something like I would I would probably do CGI for some pieces that were impossible but china, just because I mean, everyone's made of china probably yeah yeah when you get to that part i've always been interested in that and wish they had included that in the original film but i also wish they had left it as a real place instead of a dream because that's an alice in wonderland cop out i feel like um and that kind of ruined it for me and that's why i liked the book because it was like a real dangerous beautiful land that was untamed and uncivilized that all these characters had to navigate through and it was such such a it was a much more compelling story because of that not that you know the film itself wasn't you know it was like a wonderful technicolor masterpiece but there's something magical about the book that i haven't found anything that's kind of tried to take that story on i haven't found anyone try to you know capture that essence as well as you know they could and I feel like maybe they, they just don't get it. I don't know. Maybe they don't understand it. I, I think they're referencing the film too much of the time. Whenever someone recreates the Wicked Witch of the West, it's always Margaret Hamilton's Green Witch. Um, it's never L. Frank Baum's interpretation. I know she's such a small role and there's not much to go off of, but you know, they, they don't really, I, I feel like they don't reference L. Frank Baum's material as much as they do the MGM film. So Wizard of Oz, again, will be part of season six, along with Wicked. We're covering awesome. Wicked with the original <laughs> book of Wicked and the musical Wicked. So. Okay. so have you read the book Wicked by Frank McGuire? Yeah, I have that, yeah. yeah. They're, quite good. They're not a bad little series. First book's better than the other two in the trilogy, but... <laughs> That's what I heard, yeah. <laughs> quite good. So we're covering a lot during the Literary License podcast for season five which we are currently be in starting next week with the kings of horror and um the 80s um horror films of course um part of what's added new but we're also being soap bewitched and dark shadows so which episode are you looking most forward to next season let me see uh list off a few 
I need a, I need a, a, a brain. Well, for Kings of Horror, of course, we're doing The Dead Zone by Stephen King. We're doing Cabal yeah. by Fly Barker, which actually became Nightbreed, the film. Um, yeah. Ghost Story by Peter Strub. We're also doing Let the Right One In, um, the book and film, of course. And The Rats by James Herbert. And some Japanese ones, including Battle Royale and Ringu. 80s horror, um, arranging everything from killer clowns from outer space to scanners and videodrome. And we're also covering um, Night of the Comet. But of course, we are covering The Bewitch because The Bewitch will be going into the Tabitha years as well. And, <laughs> and of course, Dark Shadows will be um, coming, winding up Dark Shadows by the end of season five as well. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm always a big Stephen King fan, um, at least of his initial work, especially because um, there's just something special about a lot of those stories that I grew up reading and films that I watched. Um, so I'll look forward to doing his. Are, are we covering the book and the series? Is it like a book to screen one? Yeah, or is it just Dead Zone, um, the book and Dead Zone, the David Cronenberg from 1983. Okay, okay. Um, so yeah, that one's definitely something I'm looking forward to the most, I think. Um, and I've heard a lot of Battle Royale. I actually haven't seen it yet, but I've always wanted to. Um, I actually heard it was, I think it, I heard it was one of the films that influenced the film Sucker Punch by Zack Snyder, which I actually really enjoyed. I, I know it got bad results. Well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Actually, maybe I mixed that up. Maybe I mixed that up. Um, but yeah, Hunger Games was was good, I guess. But yeah, Battle Royale is something I'll definitely have to check out. And I'll probably be on that one too, just because it'll give me a reason to watch something new. Honestly, these podcasts also give me like new material to watch. So I, I appreciate it for that too, because sometimes I don't think of things or know how to look for like older horror films and everyone just like knows all the best ones to watch. Um, and it makes horror today kind of look half par or subpar. Um, now you've been doing podcasting with us for over a year now. So what do you like about podcasting? I don't know. I just get to get my, my nerd on, <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause I don't always get to just talk about this stuff with anybody. And it's nice to have a place where people not just want to talk about it casually, but like really dissect it and really get to know like some of the directors or the actors that, you know, participate in some of these shows and movies. Um, but like really analyze it, you know, in all those various ways that you do. Um, I always like to discuss, like, if you were to take this project on now, what changes would you make or what would you add to it? Because, you know, as an aspiring, I don't know, I, I want to do probably more TV than film, but I would love to do either, um, frankly. Um, I always like to think about those things because some of these projects that I would love to, you know, that I grew up with, I would love to bring into this world and make it into something other people could appreciate the way that I was able to as a kid or something. So, yeah, I guess that's why I like doing these podcasts because um, I get to talk about that stuff. And then I also get to uh, see new material <laughs> and, you know, you and Vicky are like friends and family to me. So it's, uh, I do enjoy it for that reason as well. Um, and so is everybody else, but uh, you guys were the first people I was introduced to. So um, yeah, it's like a special little thing for me. 
And what's your favorite quote or saying? Do you have like a favorite quote or saying that kind of gets you through life? Oh, <laughs> hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. That's something that I always think about in the back of my mind, I guess. I don't know why, but I feel like it uh, keeps me on my toes. You know, like if I feel like I'm not doing a good job on something or I don't have the talent for something, I just try to work hard at it. Or I try to push myself to be more talented and practice on things that I don't always have time for, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) That one's always stuck out to me. I actually think I read that in a Tim Tebow book. Do you have um, a special message to our fans? Something that might have changed their life or something that drives you forward? I mean, honestly, it's like film and TV that does that. I know that sounds weird, but art in and of itself has always been something that has like driven me in my life because especially like with fantasy or like fairy tales and stuff, there's always these characters that, you know, you can identify with that go through hard things. And even though they're not real people, somehow just watching them or listening to their stories and seeing them, go through something gives you the motivation and the strength to be able to do that yourself. Even though the character could be a superhero, you know, you could still identify with aspects of their journey and if they can get through it, you can get through it. So I think, you know, telling those kinds of stories are really important. Um, Even though to some people they're kind of silly, you know, there's stuff in there that really matters. Like it's, it's substantial um, to talk about, those kinds of issues i guess and you know watching older disney films too also kind of helped me because you know i didn't always have an easy time of it me and my family struggled a lot with like my father um that's all public info so it doesn't really matter but um so we all kind of banded together and you know would watch these things all these classic good feeling films and tv shows and that's kind of how we got through it, I guess. And I always related to a lot of these characters and it just sounds silly, but sometimes when I, you know, would struggle, I would look at even older Disney characters or, you know, like Luke Skywalker or Superman or Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz and be like, you know what? These people all had their own journey. Let's see if we can get through this too. <laughs> and uh Yeah. It, it always it always did something um, powerful. It's some kind of powerful effect on me. So I think that it's important to tell those stories, even if other people think they're silly. There are people that do appreciate it. I think um, what I would definitely say is if you do think it's silly and you can't relate to it, try to look at it from a different perspective and try to see the importance in a different way. Try to find a way to relate to it, you know. And one thing is, is what they all have in common is they're always moving forward. You exactly. And that's that's what you forward. need to do. You you need to move forward. You need to, you know, th- we all have metaphorical monsters in life to face. Um, and we have to fight those rather than, you know, uh, people like to stay a little too close to their white picket fences and stuff. And it's like, don't be afraid to venture out because taking risk is usually where you're going to find success. You might not right away, but if you have something in life that you want to do that you feel like you were born to do, go out and do it. You know, listen to the call to adventure. (laughs) You know, all those very cliche phrases are very true. You know, just you have to go out 
and do them. Because otherwise, if you allow yourself to be controlled by fear and you never do anything in life, you're always going to live with regret. And if you don't go after your dreams, regardless of what other people said, because you're afraid of, you know, not having a safety net underneath of you, or you're afraid of, you know, not having support of people. It's like, you just have to try it. You'll, you'll find people who will support you for everything, um, through everything. And um, you don't want people around you that aren't going to support your dreams and goals anyway. People who don't think you're capable. You need to have the right kinds of people. I actually have a Wizard of Oz mug that says it's not, it says, um, it's not where you go. It's who you meet. It's the friends we meet along the way that help us appreciate the journey. But also sometimes it's on the journey where we meet those kinds of people that we need to have in our life. I feel like people come into our lives when they need to. Um, I, I, I'm someone that doesn't believe in coincidences. Um, so I feel like every opportunity that comes our way is something that we should, you know, consider or take on or whatever. And it adds to our growth and development as people. So there's so many reasons why, you know, like taking on that hero's journey in our own life um, is such an important thing because I think it, it helps us become who we're meant to become um, the best versions of ourselves. And even if you're not going far, you know, from your hometown or whatever, I just, I don't know. It's such an intuitive thing, but I think we should all try to go on that journey even if it's just to find ourselves or whatever, just don't be afraid. Don't be controlled by fear. Don't let fear hold you back. Now, as you know, on this journey of life and this journey of earth, that we're only on earth for a very short time. So when your time has passed on this blue marble that we're spinning around on, what is the one thing you want to be remembered for? The one thing I would like to be remembered for is, uh, I guess that I, that I took risks, you know, that I, um, I did what I thought I should do and I didn't let anything hold me back and that I didn't live my life in fear or regret. Um, and that would be an example that I would want to bring to everybody because I feel like a lot of people, I've, I've heard so many people's stories, like older people that wished they had done certain things in their life and they just didn't. And so they live with this kind of melancholy regret. And I'm like, I mean, that idea terrifies me and I don't think anyone should live that way. So me in and of myself, I mean, that's like one of my biggest fears is living with fear and regret that I didn't try to go after my dreams, my goals. And I don't want anybody to feel like that. I want everybody to, you know, go out there because everyone's talented in their own way. Everybody has something they want to do. And so I would want something on my gravesite to let people know that they shouldn't go out there and just live their life without being afraid. And well, I know that my, sounds so on, you know, it, it sounds so uh, repetitive of what I just said, but that's something I strongly believe and, you know, think about like every day. Well, my grandmother always says the worst thing anyone can ever say to you is no. And if that's the worst thing anyone can do, yeah. I mean, that, that doesn't stop you from trying. Exactly. <laughs> I guess we'll see you on uh, Bewitched. Jesse Fultz, um, co-host on the Bewitched and Dark Shadows. And he also, from time to time, passes on over into the other episodes. So I want to thank you for joining us today, Jesse. And we'll see you at Bewitched. So thank you again. Bye.
Thank you for having me. I'll see you next time. Hello, welcome to the Delicious Podcast. This is the Getting to Know You section. And today we're getting to know Leandro Gazi. And I'm sure I pronounced your surname wrong, um, Leandro. So how do you say your surname? Gazi. Gazi? We're yes. always massacring names. Him more than anybody else. He was doing, he was introducing Godzilla yesterday. And he massacred everybody's name for, in, in Japan. Probably he's not going to listen to us anymore. <laughs> You get, you get, you know, you give me a language, I can speak it, but I will massacre. Hell, I even massacre English. So, Leandro, um, on your spare time, what do you do for your spare time, or what do you do for a living? Um, well, recently, well, I have just changed jobs. So I'm working as a side manager slash caretaker in a school. Yeah. Uh, they say I'm not having much time left. <laughs> I'm reading. <laughs> Um, catching up, watching movies. I'm taking. A, I'm doing a course about the planets. Oh, I'm neat! Work, yeah, I'm working. I have to go back to the gym, but I haven't done it yet. And I have. I'm being development. Busy, do you busy. have? Do you have any like uh, social media or website in particular you want anybody to follow, or you just want to? Um, Are you alone? No, not really. Any? Uh, Instagram. Don't ask me my Instagram because I can't remember. <laughs> I gotta find you on Instagram. I'll start okay. harassing you. Okay. <laughs> we cover a lot of genres in um, the podcast and stuff like that. What's your favorite genre of film or television or books? Oh, I really like action movies. Um, you know those one well when I was uh, growing up, you know like old um like Terminator and right. X Men, um, DC Comics, but, Marvel. You like all that? Yes, I've done. I'm I'm not a really like I haven't seen all the movies from Marvel, but no, I I really like action movies. Um, but recently I've been watching, you know, like um, Hannibal Lecter and The Silence <laughs> of the Lambs and all those. Just a little uh, light movie watching, little higher vibrational stuff. Yeah, I get you. But no, I mean, I I wouldn't say. I mean, I I can I can watch any type of um, movie. I don't have like I, you know some people say that no, I don't watch certain certain type of movies. I right. I watch any mm-hmm. kind. Actually, I used to have a really good book. I have it in Argentina called One Thousand Movies you, you Should Watch Before You Die." Yeah. Really, really cool book. Um, yeah. So, but action movies, yeah, are, are my, they say my favorite ones. Do you have a favorite film? Oh, no, I have a lot of movies, that I like, but I, I, could, I couldn't right now tell you. It's ah, hard. Yes, it's is, hard. Yeah. Maybe Castaway. That's a good one. Yeah. Wilson. Okay. Wilson. <laughs> 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 and the world left for a missing volleyball. <laughs> um, now, most of us grew up on films and stuff like that. Do you remember what your first um, film memory was? What the very first film that you ever saw was? Yes. Um, the first movie I went to watch in the cinema, uh, I can't, well, there were two. One is called Chatran. It was the name of a it's really crazy movie. It was a cat. Right, normal cat was lost 
ended being in the wildlife. And the movie was all about that. And I think in the end, he found a way back home. Um, someone put it in a box, and the box ending like in a river. So really wow. strange movie because no one talked, no one said anything. And then was another one called The Bear. I love that. <laughs> uh, have you seen it? Yes, really, I love like it. A... That poor little guy. What a talk about a struggle for survival. Yeah, I love yes. that. I took my so, kids. I love that movie. I've forgotten all about it till you just said something. Those were the the first two movies I, I went to watch this. Oh, movie. you're young. <laughs> you're young. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite book and author, perhaps, you'd like to share? Uh, well, I have read, um, well, when I was studying English, you know, I started to read uh, Roald Dahl, and I have read nearly the majority of his books i'm not I, i haven't read all of them but i think he wrote like 40 something books and i read more than 20 so who yeah. was that again i didn't catch it Roald Dahl, the one who wrote matilda uh okay. charlie and the chocolate factory oh uh, i didn't know that that's 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 well different. he he even uh, he wrote um tales of unexpected and in usa they made a tv program right mm, yeah um, yeah, that one about the yeah. bee, feeding the baby, um, royal jelly, and the baby turns yes, into Yes, yes. Oh, man. No kidding. Yeah. You guys think of stuff I haven't thought of in eons. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, We're covering um Kings of Horror, of course, for season five. Um, So what episode are you looking most forward to this season? Um, Stephen King, because I have read other um, stories, and I like how he writes. And... Actually, I just started to read the book. Um, then the rats, because someone told me that's really cool. Um, all the rest of the well, there's one that is like the ring. So if it is the one with the movie, I have seen the movie. But I would say Stephen King. Wow. Excellent. Well, uh, since you joined us, what do you like about podcasting? Um, well, I really like because. We, well, for example, three of us or the five of us, we can read, we're reading the same book and watching the same movie, but each of us has a different um, perspective of the of the things or the same um, the same movie or book. And yeah, I, I don't know. For me, it's fun um, and yeah, the interaction and meeting new people. That's that's cool. That's why I feel about it too. Mm-hmm. Now, most of us live our life with, like, a favorite quote or saying. What's your favorite quote or saying? Well, I have recently uh, um, doing a course, and then someone wrote this phrase from uh, Theodore Roosevelt, which is, it's hard to fall, but it's uh, worth never uh, being trying to go up. Uh, do you have, like, considering that we're, we're talking to a lot of people when we, we do these things, do you have any message to fans or people that listen that uh, – any specific thing changed your life for the better, for the worse? <laughs> uh, Hopefully for the better. Is it, I think it's the first time someone asked me something like that. Well, I would say like to listen to your inner voice because it's never wrong. It's, it has took me a long time to be able to understand that, you know, when you have that voice, I tell you, I don't know, this is like kind of like wrong and, and yeah. you don't want to listen it until eventually you realize that you should, listening more that and i read in a book that apparently that's the voice like of the wisdom you know because that's like 
is the voice that you never hardly never listen, and then you said, "Oh, what if I would have one of my right?" <laughs> so yeah, that. Now, as we know that on um, the human race, at one point we were going to expire, and our memory lives on. So, when you pass on, is there anything that you specifically want to be remembered for? Well, I don't know. Having always been like trying to do new things, actually, you can see it here. <laughs> so yeah, and. Before my dad passed away, we, he wrote me an email and then he said, well, whatever. He told me, like, uh, like he was, like, in his life, so you know me, like, whatever has happened in my life, I always, like, stand up and carry on. So, yeah, that just, like, carry on and trying your best and be the best you can be. That's all any of us can do. Mm-hmm. And one um, last question before we let you go and live the rest of your life until we see you for our next recording. Um, where are you from and how um, and what brought you to England? Uh, well, I'm from Argentina. Uh, when I finished my degree, I went to work in USA and then to be able to go back and work for another year in USA, I have experience. So I have a friend that was living, he, well, she lives here in, in UK. So I came here for a year to get experience. And then I started to play rugby, and then I stayed. <laughs> <laughs> you were sold at rugby, huh? Yeah, yeah. well, I started to play, play two th- seasons and a half. Then I broke, someone broke my leg, so I, could, I didn't oh. want to go back home with a broken leg. <laughs> I don't blame um, you. <laughs> so then well, no, one thing and the other, and then now I'm living here. Well, we're really glad we got you, so we enjoy yeah. your company. No, I'm really happy to be part of the podcast. Argentina's lost is our game. So. That's right. Well, we want to thank you, Andre, for taking your time out on um, your Sunday day of rest. And thank you yeah. for being part of the Literary License Podcast. And we can't wait to get started with Season 5. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you very much. And see you in a couple of weeks. Bye, sweetie. Bye. Hello, welcome to Literature License Podcast and the Getting to Know You interview with Joe Rendazzo. Hello, Joe. How are you? Hey, guys. Great to see you again. Always good to see you. So our first question to you is, um, who are you and what do you do for a living or on your spare time? And what do you want people to know about you? (coughs) Um, Who am I? Um, A writer, um, also still waiting tables, still bartending, still doing all that good stuff. Um, What do I want people to know about me? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I get, I'm kind of an open book. I feel like, Um, like if you know me well enough, I feel like you know enough about me. Um, I just, um, I've loved films for, you know, got a long time. Like, um, like I like going back to, you know, my, my parents taking me to see stuff in the theaters in the eighties. So when I was a teenager, like in the mid nineties, I realized this is what I wanted to do. And I just kind of pursued it then at the cost of everything else. And um, (laughs) how successful that is, you know, we can, we can figure that out another time. But um, as of right now, I'm pretty happy with, uh, with most of what I'm doing. Uh, is there anything you would like to plug or plug in your social media, a website, anything particular that, um, well, I'm a regular on the literary license podcast and they just made me a guest. Uh, they just made me a permanent host. I so. know. We're really <laughs> excited about having you. <laughs> uh, honestly, right now, uh, there, there's a lot of stuff I've written, 
while everything's been locked down, but it's not like that's, it's not like anybody can really go check that out. You know, I'm trying to get the, these projects made. So uh, I guess check out uh, Cesar Nato's Paranormal Halloween on Tubi. Uh, Dave Canfield and I made that in 2014. Um, I think it's the only one of uh, Perfect Candidate is available in a lot of places. I know Troma now is going to be picking it. Is going to be putting it on soon. Okay. They haven't put it yet. Um, those are the only films of mine that are like available, uh, like uh, widely on streaming. You can get uh, Deadly Xmas on DVD as part of the holiday horrors. Well, didn't you uh, help with Hex and Arcane? I did help with Hex and Arcane. Amazon, uh, uh, Amazon uh, took took them down, uh, but. Um, I helped. Uh, I helped to produce their first season uh, on, um, which you can get on YouTube, and I think they're still on Vimeo. Yeah, I was going to uh, ask where they could be found because I couldn't find them. Yeah, Amazon. Uh, Amazon Prime took them down, and unfortunately, that I, I don't. I don't know. They're going to work on getting everything back up there. Uh, you can definitely check them out on YouTube, though. What's your favorite genre of film? He asked me today, it's horror movies, because generally that's what I'm associated with. And it's, it was the first genre that I really loved. Like, I um, I always looked for something that might scare me when I was a kid. And um, it very rarely actually does scare me. I think a good ghost story could, uh, could scare me still, or, or creep me out at least. Uh, like, I'd never seen the Conjuring movies until earlier this year. And I remember those first... That first Conjuring movie, I remember sitting there going, holy shit, this is actually tense. This is actually, like, actually getting under my skin a, a little. So horror is definitely the genre I love the most, but I, I love all of them. I, I can watch any kind of movie, and I try really hard to watch at least one movie a day. I don't know if I – it's not always possible, but I, I, I try to. I feel you. Do you have a favorite film? Again, depends on what day you ask me. Um, normally, my answer to this is uh, Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time in America, the gangster epic he made in 1984. Um, oddly enough, because I, 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 um, I feel like, although, although it strays far from, from the novel I, I've heard, I've never read The Hoodlums, it's probably as close as like I've ever seen to a novel actually being put on film because of just how slowly it burns and how deeply you feel like you know the characters and you know their relationships and that's there's something about that movie that's kind of hypnotic to me and i always i try to watch it every couple of years uh just to kind of refresh that's normally the answer i give um i started to really love mulholland drive by david lynch a lot more and i started mentioning that more often um i was telling somebody uh somebody i work with that i think casablanca's one of the most perfect movies ever made. I think it's a, it's an actual, it's one of the very few absolutely perfect movies. So, um, <laughs> those are the three that immediately come work. Up. Probably a lot more. Oh, wait, I didn't realize my phone is on. Let me go turn that off. So what is your earliest film memory? Like, like the first film that you saw, do you remember what year? I don't remember what the first film I saw was. I, from what I heard, <laughs> I used to, uh, when my parents used to take me to the video store on the corner, I used to rent uh, Roy Ward Baker's The Monster Club a lot. And I think... I could so see that. <laughs> when I, when I, to the point that, like, um, at my place in L.A., I had the original frame poster hung. It's in my storage locker now. Um, 
but there was something, I, I think it was the box art that, that got me because you, um, it was the movie poster, which is uh, uh, by Graham Humphreys. Great, fantastic. I, I did, actually didn't even know that the guy who created the poster, uh, he and I are friends on Facebook now. I had no idea. Um, right. But this great like collage of like colorful monster faces. And the VHS tape was one of those big box tapes where you had Elvira on the side of it, just kind of pointing to the poster. Right? And I'm like, there's something about that. That uh, still to this day, kind of, kind of is everything. Everything I love, uh, right there, right in the open. Hot goth woman, bunch of monsters. Hot goth woman, can't live without the hot goth woman. <laughs> I, think, I think Elvira made made me more interested in the genre than I ever would have been otherwise. Well, I think she did more for the genre than anybody else. Actually, uh, do you have a favorite book or author? Um. Right now, I'm knee deep in the Dead Zone, uh, and I'm and I'm absolutely loving it. Um, I'd never read the Dead Zone before. Probably up until this point, I probably would have said um, either the things they carried, uh, which again, it's kind of it, it's kind of cinematic in a way because you, you kind it's I I haven't read it in a long time, so it would be. It would be. It wouldn't be too smart for me to to, to try to go into too many details. Um, I, I think it's very cinematic in the way it kind of unravels. Um, the Godfather uh, by Mario Puzo. I love the novel. I read it uh, also when I was in high school. Um, Required reading. I think. I, I, <laughs> uh, when the legend. Required reading. If you're going to an Italian school. <laughs> You're an Italian grown up in Bensonhurst. That shit's surrounding you. That's, that explains all of that right there. You don't see no more. <laughs> <laughs> um, what episode are you looking forward to in season five of the Literary License podcast? Season five is the 80s. The 80s and the Kings of Horror. Horror, yeah. Yes. Um, probably... Probably Ghost Story, because I never read the novel, and I, I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, oh, yeah, the episode with the Changeling. Uh, that's one I'm really looking forward to, because I absolutely love that movie, and I, I, I can't I wait love to talk that about movie. Um, those are uh, Night of the Demons, also. Uh, um, Kevin Tenney uh, is, is a dear friend. I absolutely love him. I love that movie, and I uh, cannot wait to, uh, to talk about it. So it's probably those three, or probably the the ones I'm looking forward to most. Actually, okay? I was reviewing um, ghost, this ghost story month and it's like ghost story. And then of course we're doing the changing the fog. And it's like, we're bringing old Hollywood into the, into the modern, into the age. It's kind of funny. It is. It is. Cause you have a, Oh my God. Why is his name? Al Holbrook. Yes. Um, Janet Lee <laughs> coming into the fog. And um, uh, what, what is Mervyn Douglas? Mervyn Douglas is who I was thinking of. I was like, I just ghost saw story? him in there. Yeah. He was a ghost story, correct? And the changeling. And the, and the changeling. Oh, that's yeah. right. He played the old codger, the rich old codger. And I just oh, wait, he was the brother. That won't get into that, though. Don't and get I, uh, I just watched him in the, uh, uh, James Wells' The Old Dark House. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah he's... He, I, I absolutely... Uh, he I, pops I love up it. every... I don't see him in a lot, though, from back in the 80s, but he did pop up in he, a few. He died, he died right after the changeling. So yeah, he, I was gonna say, he died in the early 80s. That's why you didn't like, see him much of that. when he died. He he got he got to do the changeling and being there right before he died, which are two fantastic. Oh, okay. What a show! At least oh, he, he went there. out. With... Oh, I love that film. I got that on Blu-ray. Which one? I... Being there with um, Shirley Mc. 
playing Mervyn Douglas and Peter Sellers. I like, I love Shirley MacLaine still. A lot of, she, she's been quiet though. Yeah. Well, I, I, I feel like a lot of people that we, we grew up on aren't really working much anymore, but. No, they finally got smart and retired. Living the good life is what I want to do. Well, they're all in their 70s to 90s now, so. That probably living the good life and chilling. Yes, exactly. But Joe Pesci and Gene Hackman, they, they, they only come out and work when they want to. Well, and they I imagine Shelly McClane's probably just waiting to come back in another life, so. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> don't be making fun of my girl <laughs> okay do you have a favorite quote saying that you like to impart i can't think you see that's that's one that's like i, like, I couldn't think of one just off the top of my head the uh, wit and wisdom of joe <laughs> <laughs> i don't like to quote myself i, I feel like i would if i quoted myself um but uh yeah like when i was looking over the questions last night i was doing this while i was while i was working at, at work so i was kind of looking Oh, we're going. I can't even think of what, like, what I would say, because um, I mean, I, I just try to, like, try try to be on the fl- on the fly and just be natural with stuff like that. I guess it would always depend on the situation, yeah, but I can't think of any quote or saying that like just stands out to me. I mean, I mean, I guess maybe just be good to each other, which we really fucking need. Really, right we now. really need a lot of that right now. Uh, oh my god, that'd probably be the best thing I could tell anybody. Just try. That, that, that's just, very fitting. Very very hurt. fitting. A little bit of understanding will go a long, long way. Yes, please. (laughs) So what do you like about podcasting now that you've been doing it almost consistently for a full year? Yeah. uh, I mean, with you guys specifically, because I – like I, I generally do like a little like a little guest spot here and there on other places. But with you guys, what I'm I'm enjoying is uh, being able to to discuss – something that I'm really passionate about uh, with, uh, with film, with horror, with, uh, with writing a lot of this stuff. Um, I'm, it's cool to revisit a lot of, uh, a lot of older movies that like sometimes you'll throw a curveball my way and I'll be like, wow, I haven't seen that movie in 25 years. Let me revisit it. Or sometimes I'll see, uh, it'll be something where I'm like, I wasn't a fan of it. And then when I rewatch it now, I'm like, I'm glad I rewatched it because I saw something in it that, uh, that I, that I didn't see before. And I find that in general, um, uh, film criticism, I feel like, uh, uh, Vicky and I spoke about this a couple months ago when, uh, uh, Joe Bob Briggs showed uh, sledgehammer and, um, <laughs> and things. I feel like people are way too harsh on a lot of movies. They like, oh, it's the worst movie I've the, ever seen. Wasn't that the VHS edition? Yeah, those were the, the shout out. The <laughs> it shout was out painful. VHS. You knew it was, it was a little painful. And I feel like more people need to watch movies like that before, like the, the other day, I forgot what I was watching. Um, Oh, Hudson Hawk. I'd never seen Hudson Hawk with Bruce Willis and Danny Aiello. And my, my roommate threw it on. And it was like, yeah, everyone says it's one of the worst movies ever made. And I wanted I to liked go, it. No, these people need to, like, see worse movies. I <laughs> like <laughs> Hudson Hawk. <laughs> I find, like, a lot of times, I'm like, I don't think people understand the difference between not liking a movie and actual bad filmmaking. But I, <laughs> I like, I try to be as kind as possible because there's a lot of times where it's like, Sometimes you just don't have an easy way out. <laughs> just like some. They tried. You know it's it's tried. entertaining. Like the worst thing I think you could do is make something completely, <clears throat> completely boring. Because sometimes even inept, uh, c- it can be a lot of fun. Like uh, I just went to see uh, Hobgoblins. 
last week because um, uh, r- the guys from Rift Tracks did a live riffing of it. And I was like, I love Hobgoblins. It's a fucking terrible movie, but it's entertaining. Like, yeah. if anybody's like, this is the worst movie I've ever seen, like, you have not seen the bottom. You have not seen the true <laughs> bottom. <laughs> like, I, th- I feel like with a lot of the movies, like, even if there's something that I didn't like, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, if I rewatch it now with a little bit more perspective into, into how much worse it gets. And also, having made films uh, now, having made a handful of films that have been released in the last you know, decade or so, um, realizing how much of a collaborative effort it is. And it's a miracle that any film ever gets made at all. Um, last year, I was one of the, um, I hosted one of the um, virtual, um, God, I, I'm, my brain is so fried from work yesterday, but I, I hosted one of the. Um, virtual events uh, online event? Yeah, I host, uh, yeah. And I remember the first thing, because it was for a film festival uh, in Milwaukee, I remember one of the first things that I had said was uh, the fact that you're, the fact that any of you are here or have your film in this festival, whether whether the film wins anything or not, you, or if you just wrote a screenplay, you fucking did something. Yeah. You actually did something. And that's more than a lot of people will ever do. A lot of people can talk about wanting to do something. Uh, last week, one of Shanta's friends was, uh, was texting me, asking me about uh, 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 his friend has a screenplay idea that he wants to pitch a trauma. And I told him, like, don't come at them with ideas. Write the screenplay. If they don't want it, you can, you know, maybe it'll never get made, but, maybe, but at least you have something, something tangible. Yeah. Anybody can sit here and say, I have an idea. That's true. Very few people actually have the follow through to make it happen. And if you've written a screenplay, if you've made a film, if you shot a, a, a pilot for a web series, whatever you've done, no matter how small you may think it is, no matter how insignificant you might think it is, you've actually created something. You've taken that next step in actually making something. And that's, that's something that I think needs to be commended regardless of, uh, of any perceived quality. Understood. I mean, exactly right. I mean, even if even if something happens in your lifetime, it doesn't find its audience. It might find your audience after your lifetime. <laughs> you know it seems I mean? like all the, the the great artists weren't discovered until after their death. You know, <laughs> so it's just, when the people in power didn't have to pay them anymore. That too. <laughs> that too. <laughs> depending on where the rights went. Yeah, and your work's and your work's worth so much more after that as well. So. <laughs> you'll, you'll never reap the benefits of it. But. No, somebody else will though. That's all yeah. that matters. That's all that matters. Someone in charge of your estate <laughs> might. <laughs> Do you have a like a message to you to to our fans that, that listen to us that might have changed your life? Anything that is kind of groundbreaking for you or epiphany wise? Kind of. I mean, I think it's just the 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 idea that um. I, I try not to let like if you like I, I noticed with um with a couple of people sometimes like I'm one of those people that when I get passionate about something I dive into it like into like every depth of it um like I'm probably one of those people where if we sat down and watch a movie together I'd probably be annoying because I'd be like oh that's that's when this this and this. yeah at this point this this and this has to happen because the story needs to move into this realm and that there there's two kinds of people there's the people like me that when they, when they see something and they see how it's made, we, um, we embrace it. And there's people who get so passionate into something, they jump into it and they end up, you know, it ends up kind of ruining it for them. Try not to let, uh, if you're passionate about something and following it, try not to let 
the, the, the fire and the spark go out because right. that's probably the worst thing in the world. Um, I, I enjoy the, the, the construction of a story and the construction of cinema. Uh, and like I said, I am one of those people that'll be like, ah, yep, it's, it's five minutes in. That's, that's usually when we, we start to get a feel for what the, what the, the, the arc of the story is going to be ah, 12 minutes in. That's the inciting incident right there. I'm one of those people that my brain is constantly going like that. And I realize I can't be, I can't be like that with everybody. Like I, I have to kind of internalize that and be like, okay, five minutes into Rocky, this is where he says he doesn't want to be just another bum uh, from the neighborhood. <laughs> that's the idea. And that's the idea that drives the, 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 the first movie and potentially the entire series, exactly. but you always find that. And you can't let, you can't let knowing that stuff ruin it for you because then you realize everything's a formula and you've been watching yeah. the same movie for 40 years. But, um, you gotta, I feel like you chase after it and learn how everything's done, learn how to do everything the right way and try not to let it completely put out the spark. That's probably the, the best thing uh, that I can think of. It well said. Um, so when your time has passed on this earth, what is the one thing that you want to remember for? I hope it's just that, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, like, I guess ultimately in the grand scheme of things, you know, maybe, hey, he never he never did anything to really hurt anybody. You know, I mean, what else can you really want? You know, but but I, I guess you you don't He's you don't want to be decent guy. You know, it's you all you can do is be your best. Yeah, yeah you don't want to be remembered as Hitler. You know, you don't want to be oh that guy. Uh, you don't want to be remembered in that. Well, you want to keep some good company. You want you want to make sure you have the book of your rights. What is that? I said the you're going to be remembered as Hitler. You want the book and movie rights? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is right. There you are. Always thinking for everybody. There you go. I, want I feel like the if I set the bar that low, it wasn't as bad as I want the TV movie with Zac Efron. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess if I'd like to be remembered for anything, it'd be. I, I would like to have some something. I would like to make something that's really great and really resonates for generations to come. Not everybody gets that chance. I've made my piece with, with the fact that like that may never come for me. It may, it may not. I will keep plugging the way to try to get something uh, to that level, but I'll settle for he wasn't as bad a person as Hitler. That'll work. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's good to put that, um, you know, the bar low. So I think you'll be doing that. <laughs> That's right. You can only have high expectations now. <laughs> I've killed considerably fewer people than Hitler. <laughs> Joe won't be opening fire on a crowd anytime soon. No, no, don't no, be worried about doing. Joe. <laughs> okay. So, um, one final question, just um, to round up um, everything, is that you now live in Chicago? I'm in the Chicago suburbs right now. Yeah, Chicago. And where did you grow up? <laughs> uh, Brooklyn, New York. Oh. I knew oh, that's why I liked him. <laughs> well, I think we're all we're all native New Yorkers here, right? Yeah, New York yes. State. Um, and then um, Tom is from Brooklyn, Brooklyn as well. John lives in New York, but he's from California. He's from uh, yeah, he's from California now in New York. He he did the opposite jump of what I yep. originally did. I find myself now in the burbs. For now, I'm hoping to be able to afford to live in LA again soon. Uh, I lived in Chicago. For I like a while. the burbs. I I'm bored. <laughs> I like heading out into the city as, as often as I can. Evanston's not as exciting as a John Hughes movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I, 
where I work is literally like a couple blocks away from uh, from the high from Shermer High School. So it's it's strange, man. It's a culture shock when you grow up in like a lower middle class Brooklyn neighborhood, and you don't you don't ever think you're poor mm. because we weren't we weren't poor. We never starved. You know, we never we never you know my parents we had what we needed. Yeah, we had what we needed. But then when I come out here and I see like, holy shit, man. <laughs> like, it's like North it's Dallas. It's a vulgar display of wealth. It's just ridiculous. Uh, it's, yeah, when I see like how people live in in like Northbrook and Glencoe and like this this area up here. And it's I'm always like, north. Have you ever noticed that? It's always north. <laughs> they're never. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, I mean, they're all along, they're all along the Great Lakes here. And that's, yeah. that's oh, what, like, but the Great Lakes are beautiful, though. You have to are. admit. I they are. It. I love them. I mean, I, Evanston, Evanston isn't as boring as like the other birds. There's actually stuff to do in Evanston because it's a college town. You got Northwestern, but like I'm, I'm living in Palatine, Illinois right now. And there's, there ain't fuck to do. Out <laughs> <laughs> you need to get out more, Joe. I, I, I try to, I mean, I went, I was, I was getting out and doing a lot of stuff. I was hosting, I was hosting events for trauma. I was doing stuff with them. Oh, that was great. It's, it's everything just, the whole world just kind of went to went into a little a little brief reset for a while, but hopefully, hopefully things will pick up again. I see that trauma is not wasting any time. Oh no, 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 they're not. And uh, I started submitting some of the uh, some of the screenplays I I, I co wrote during uh, during the lockdown. I, I taught my roommate how to write a screenplay, and we've been we we knocked out two, and we're working on the third and fourth. And um, yeah, I started sending up with yeah started sending them out to competitions because i'm like what well, let's I see would. if we i would love an excuse like i uh i'm, I'm going uh, at the end of this week i'm going to enter it into a competition in louisville kentucky i don't care i'll go to louisville for a film festival i i will go anywhere like i just want to like actually like get out again like i miss yeah. i miss being able to like just hop on a plane and be like i'm going to la this week to 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 do something i was supposed to uh be working on a movie in san francisco last year that got push back and push back and push back. And that never happened because of, uh, because of COVID uh, Lloyd invited me to, um, uh, to work at the trauma booth at Comic-Con in San Diego last year. And I was looking forward to that and that became virtual. So I just want to get out again. I oh God, wanna... I'd kill to do something like that. That would be great. Right. I was like, Oh my God, this is so amazing. And of course, when that opportunity presents itself, the whole world goes to shit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think the world's about. I think we're starting to get back to the swing of things. I know that I hope so. here are starting to open up again. And <laughs> so, absolutely, twenty-two. So, Joe, I want to thank you a lot. Um, of course, Joe will be joining us uh, for our two for ones, and he also be doing some guest co-hosting on some of the Kings of Horror. So, we'll see you for, for your next episode for Dead Zone. That is the next one. Wow. Yeah. I got to revisit the movie soon. I, lo- I love the Cronenberg movie and it's another one I haven't seen in a long time. So yeah, it's excellent. You got, a, you got a month of Cronenberg. So there you go. Yeah, we do. Right. We got video drum, which actually I just watched video drum last year. And I think, uh, scanners. Yeah. So yeah. That'll be cool. I just I like that. when the heads blow up. <laughs> <laughs> That's my part. Oh, and James Woods, James Woods is a video drum. And uh, he was yeah. in my, the, my favorite movie that I just, Mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, uh, Once Upon a Time in America, he's he's really great at playing a sleazy motherfucker. He is. He is. Acne scars go a long, long way for that. They do. They do. <laughs> so, well, we'll leave you there, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Bye, Joe. Bye.
Hello, welcome to the General License Podcast, and we're doing our Getting to Know You segment of Craig Johnson. Hello, Craig. Welcome, welcome to the Literary License Podcast. Hello. Yeah, thanks for letting me join, and uh, yeah, it's good, good to join you guys. We're glad you're here. Now, Craig is will be joining our Kings of Horror episode, and he might be guest co-hosting on some of our other episodes. So, what we thought we'd do is introduce yourself to everyone. So, Craig, what do you do uh, in your spare time, and what do you do for a living um so i was raised in east finchley in north london um and i'm a key worker in mental health care uh and in my spare time i'm a photographer and artist and i'll do like uh open house exhibitions in the local area and some some online exhibitions and things like that and uh yeah it's it's my passion and it, it keeps me sane Awesome. Uh, uh, do you want to plug anything, or uh, whether it's social media? Do you have a, a, a website or something you would like to yeah, share? Yeah, sure. Um, I've got the my Instagram is uh, at Craig's World Two. My Etsy shop is if you search Etsy shop um, Craig John Craig's World, uh, or the, the actual link is etsycom uk shop Craig's World. I've also got uh, an exhibition. I've been shortlisted for London Coffee Festival in September at the Truman Brewery. And if you live locally in North London or the London area, I've got work in the Cup of Joy restaurant in East Finchley High Road starting in September, which is going to be pictures of uh, some... uh, My mum's done some photography of some sculptures in... Parkland Walk, which is of the Spriggan, which is like the green man. Uh, he's like an eater of children's souls. Yeah, uh, sounds like was, that's up my alley. <laughs> it was it was in one of Stephen King's <laughs> short stories about Crouch End, and it's quite it's kind of spooky. Uh, and I'm also spooky. I'm also co-exhibiting with David Grant, who you'll meet on here as well. He's going to join me for for the podcast. Fingers crossed. Awesome. And, He's um he was in um a lot of bands in the eighties, uh, such as Crown Affair and Vsaw X. And um we'll also um, feature all this information um for our listeners if you join up to the LLpodcast.com, join the newsletter and all the information about Craig's art and where you can find him will be listed in that. So we, we deal with a lot of different genres in our um podcasting and so what's your favorite film genre? <laughs> uh, I'm a big movie fan, but it's probably got to be because <laughs> I'm pretty well known for liking really bad movies, which involve rubber monsters from the eighties. <laughs> so we're, <laughs> we're talking critters, ghoulies and killer clowns, for example, but I think oh, I love m- killer clowns. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite movie that I watch a lot is probably, there's actually three. I think it's either home alone with, Probably Gremlins and The Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, seasonal. But yeah, I will, I'll, I'll watch Ghoulies too. It's like multiple times throughout the year. Um, yeah, I'm quite well known I for liking Ghoulies bad movies. Too. It's up there with Critters 1 and 2 as well. <laughs> <laughs> I like Critters. I don't know anybody doesn't like those. Those are just good, clean fun. Yeah. Ghoulies, they come out of the toilet, so I've actually even more stuff. <laughs> Get you, in the you know what? I've got to show Asher that this weekend when he comes here. His mother will kill me, but oh well. 
Oh, ghoulies. I is like a good gateway drug into horror, I think. Yeah. I want a, a fish ghoulie. I'm trying to I'm trying to get my hands on an actual fish ghoulie prop. The one with the little abs with a bald head. Oh yeah. It comes out of the swimming pool. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's your favorite film? Yeah, I think so. Maybe Slash Troll was quite good as well. (laughs) Was that one? Harry Harry Potter Jr. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Do you have an early film memory you'd like to share? Um, Probably my earliest film memory would be watching The NeverEnding Story, I imagine, with my grandma and probably Disney sing-along songs videos. Were you traumatized by (laughs) Artax? Maybe the maybe the blisters were a bit. Um. <laughs> Everybody says their first traumatic movie they watched when they were young was Artax Drowning. You know, everybody. That, oh yeah, that is heroin. Yeah, that does. Even now, it will probably touch a nerve if I watch it. I, mean, <laughs> I just we were so, somebody brought it up at a horror forum the other day. Ago. It's like I cried when Artax died. Everybody you know. did. I thought. Who does? I think like you actually brought it up in your interview, Vicky, as well. <laughs> <laughs> I probably, you know, because somebody's been, because we were talking about it. I don't remember who I got into it with about Artax, but someone was sending me funny memes about Artax. It's like, you know, I've got a bad sense of humor. So, I mean, here on Literary License Podcast, we find that when it's people dying and getting maimed very horribly, we're okay with it. So we get like something, an animal. It's like, oh my God, we can't deal with it. So. My mom's obsessed with watching Houston Animal Cops at the moment. And whenever we see the poor horses on there, it's just so harrowing to see it. I'm surprised I haven't seen one drowning in a swamp, you know. But I, I, I watched like the animal cops here. I'm a big animal person. It's like yeah. I'm the kind of person that will will I will bust your windshield in if there's a dog <laughs> in there because it gets like 117 degrees and just in the shade sometimes here. And there are people that do that. So I mean, look at the other side. Look at the other side of this. If there's a child rolled up in there like a six-month-old child just walked on by yeah none of my nothing to see here you know but honestly people actually forget that they have a child in the back seat i just don't and that people are saying you know now like to leave something in the front seat to remind you you have a child in the back seat how do you not remember you have a child in the back seat you know Listen, my dad um, put my <laughs> sister on top of the hood of the car, on top of the car. Um, Kelly? She was not, yeah, of course, always Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> but when she was like 18 months old, and, and I don't know, he put the groceries in the car and forgot about her and drove off and got about three blocks until someone oh. beat to let him know that my sister's on top of the car. <laughs> Well, I, w- I was left at the store at the top of the road, and the shopkeeper had to tell my mum that, that I was at, I was in the pram at the top of the road. So that's when my problem started, you know. Oh my God. <laughs> so you're going to officially take that psychiatric line. It's like anyone finds fault with you, go blame my parents. And they because it was all my parents leaving the back abandoned. seat of the car. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, what's your favorite book and author? Uh, it's got to be Rose Madder by Stephen King. I just think that book is just amazing. Um, I just couldn't put it down. It was just amazing book. And I really would love to see a film of it, but it hasn't happened yet for some reason. I'm not sure. I'm surprised because that's, um, if, um, Tell me if I'm right. That's the one about the woman has the abusive husband and she goes off and then she ends up yeah. doing audio books. With, with the painting. Yeah. And the matador. The, ma- the matador. Yeah. 
Yes, yes, I, I read that. Really, really cool. I don't think I read Love that it. one. Oh, it's amazing. It's Which one is a, it? It's so good. Rose Mudder. It's, a, it's actually one of his... It's is it novella or is it a novel novel? It's, uh, um, is it like thinner is what I mean, kind of, sort of? I would sit there and say it's probably it's more... Just, it's the same size as uh, Dead Zone. Yeah. I've never heard of that one. It has, like, it, has like fan, it has this like fantasy side of it that is interwoven into it as well. Mm. Gotcha. I sit there and say it's really well. I remember that one actually. And I, actually, now that you mentioned that, I haven't thought of that for years, but now that you mentioned it, it's very vivid in, I, very vivid in my mind now. I, can I just can't all. place that one. Yeah, definitely check it out. It's, re- it's a really yeah, good Yeah, I will. Read. Do you have any particular episode you're looking forward to doing this season? Uh, when I saw the list, my eyes just was like, my head was going to blow up. I was like, uh, some of the films is, is like, oh, yes, yes, yes. Killer Clowns especially. I can't. I know. You can't go wrong. With it. Someone said they're doing a reboot of Killer Clowns. I really hope. No, they're, no, they're doing a sequel. Um, the original directors and writers and producers of Killer Clowns. Are going to do an sequel. actual sequel. Yeah, it's not a reboot. It's a sequel. Oh, thank God. Clowns. It's like, please mm. don't. <laughs> no <laughs> reboots. <laughs> And what else are you saying, Craig? Um, well, anything Clive Barker, really. Um, I'm going to try and do as many as I can, uh, work them in. As long as I'm not working on the weekend, I'll definitely be there for, for that um, session. Well, the uh, Kings of Horror, um, we actually do on a Saturday, but um, our two-for-ones, 80s, we do on a Friday night. Okay, that's cool. Now you've done podcasting for other with other podcast platforms, and then you're actually joining us on um, for season five. What do you like about um, podcasting? Um, I just I like um, just expressing my opinions of what I like, but also finding out what other people's liked and see if they like the same thing or similar stuff, and uh, just enjoying the experience together of uh, reviewing something. It's fun. We thought it was therapeutic. I think it's therapeutic because it makes me feel better the rest of the day, especially if someone, you know, they all agree with me. <laughs> Bob, Bob Hoskin said it's good to talk, right? <laughs> Do you have any kind of favorite quote or saying that you like to share? My favorite quote. I like, I like a lot of Shakespeare stuff. Um, yeah. So there was one where he said, um, give thanks for what you are today and go on fighting for what you're going to be tomorrow. So I like, I like positive stuff. Um, That's very positive. I like that too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It means a lot, especially nowadays, actually. I think we can all take away from stuff like Please, that. Nowadays. Yeah. So do you have a special message to our fans that are something that's happened to you that's changed your life? Changed my life. Probably, I think gratitude maybe has changed my life. I, I, I feel like I'm thankful for things that I've got in my life. Um, and um, I've been using a gratitude journal, so weekly I can just review my week. And Because so much happens, time goes so quickly that you just lose track of what's happening and it's good experiences. And sometimes it's so easy to focus on like the negative stuff. Um, yeah. And no. working in, in my field is, uh, you see a lot of challenging and har- quite harrowing things. Um, but it's good to just stay on top of the good stuff and and, and see the beauty in, in things. And I think that's why I like doing my photography of animals and wildlife and landscapes. And I just 
get to appreciate the beauty of the planet and and things around me in the local area sort of thing. There's definitely a lot of beauty in the planet. There's no doubt about that. Uh, when your time has passed on this earth, and we are all going to pass eventually, what's the one thing you would like to be remembered for? Probably my photography of, of the local area and stuff. And um, people, maybe people can remember some of the pictures that I've taken and, and exhibitions that I had, maybe, and things like that. That seems pretty legit. I love yeah. photography. I love looking yeah. at people's pictures. They, you know, I just, I just, I have to look you up now. I'm going to creep all your stuff when yeah. we're done here. <laughs> I do a lot of, I do a lot of surrealist stuff. So, um, like Anne Hardy at the VNA is quite inspiring, and Greg, Greg Crudston, I love his stuff, um, and that's inspired me to do a lot of like fake alien invasion stuff in North Finchley, um, with a lot of ties to like New World Order and the planet Nibiru and conspiracy theories um and that was that's featured on like london underground and stuff and a lot of uh like conrad architects have had have got that because i'll blow it up like one meter on aluminium and, and hand display it sort of thing that's cool and i basically had my, my uncle's greenhouse and we used smoke grass um and methylated spirit in the pond in bowls and i had a little alien figure that i got made at this little studio and, and we used the TV aerial that had been dumped as an antennae to represent the, sh- the ship. And then basically I used an old Worcester camera and I had it on an eight hour exposure. So I've got like dust and dawn in the same image. But what it is, it was on set timers. So it, it absorbed all the ambient light. So the greenhouse, it just hums this ethereal glow, um, which, you, which you couldn't really see because all the lights were out, but it was still absorbing. But it's really, really cool. Um, that was genius actually <laughs> and I did another one which was like um, a modern take on the Wizard of Oz where I used my uncle's garage and I put two legs sticking out with a lot of with black and white tights on and I've called it the witch is dead which is like a modern take on the ending of the weather house falls on the witch um, and uh, yeah that is it's a bit quirky and a bit weird that's cool me. <laughs> I'm definitely creeping all of your stuff <laughs> I don't do normal well, I can do. I do, I do a nice flower. Normal's boring. Personality and individuality that always speaks volumes. So. Yes, it does. Can't get that up. You so can Google, if you if you Google greenhouse gas and Craig Johnson, you'll it, you might find it online. I'm looking for you now. <laughs> <laughs> I like the picture. I want to see the picture of the greenhouse. That just sounds really yeah. cool. So what I want to do is remind our listeners that I can find all um, Craig Johnson's and all his um, web links and where to find his artwork and stuff like that will be available through this interview, of course, on the show notes and also be included in the newsletter as well. So we want to thank you, Craig, for joining the Literary License Podcast. And we'll be seeing you for your first episode for The Dead Zone yep. by Stephen King and The Dead Zone, directed by David Cronenberg in two weeks' time. Yeah, right, that's cool. going to be a good one. Mine. Yeah, wicked. All right. Got a lot of good people for that one. It's going to be fun. Hello, welcome to Lunch and License Podcast, and today we got David Grant in our Getting to Know You section. Hello, David. Welcome to the Literary License Podcast. Hello, then. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Oh, David will be joining us for our Kings of Horror, and he might be sliding over every once in a while to other episodes, like 
two for one, the eighties, when we cover um, the best of the eighties, or maybe who knows, you might even slip into a bewitched or dark shadows episode. You can never tell what happens to our co-hosts here at the literary license podcast. <laughs> Sounds good. Before we get to know you, um, we'll ask David a, a series of questions. And our first question is, who are you and what do you do for a living or on your spare time? Okay. Well, um, I'm a builder and, uh, but I'm also a musician and, um, I've been working with my friend Craig. Uh, we have a, uh, <clears throat> he set up a site for me called uh, Acid Monk, which has been great, you know, and I've done some podcasting with uh, Greek Geeks Assemble. But uh, yeah, that's basically where I am at the moment and just uh, enjoying my sort of later years. We do have some youngins. I think Craig's one of our youngins and um, Jesse's one of our youngins, but. Absolutely. Yeah, we're here to sit there and disrupt them and corrupt them as much as possible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Show them the way, you know. Now, a lot of our um, co-hosts and stuff like this have, like, um, social media websites. Is there anywhere that um, you would like our followers to be able to follow you? Uh, well, I've got the Acid Monk one, you know. That's uh, where I'm playing some my own songs. Like, that's the only one, really, like, you know, yeah. Hmm. Okay. What we'll do is um, in our newsletter, if you join up to www.llpodcast.com, we'll put those links in there, and that goes out monthly, the newsletter, and you'll be able to follow David. Oh, and sorry, on Instagram, of course, I guess uh, (laughs) something my sister... (laughs) Instagram. I think I use my Instagram for the podcast, so it's just podcast pictures, so yeah. So... But, um, you know, but what is your favorite genre? Now, we cover a lot of genres here at the um, Literary License Podcast. What's your favorite genre of film? Ooh, um, well, I'm, I'm a big science fiction fan. I like horror. Um, uh, anything a little bit, you know, off the wall, quite unusual, like, you know. Um, I mean, I must admit, the Marvel stuff's been amazing. I started with Craig and watched some, uh, the, all the four Avengers ones, you know, and just blew me away, you know. I mean, I know it's a lot of CGI, but there's a real heart in their movies, you know, and that's nice because I've always been a big Marvel fan anyway, like, you know, since reading the comics when I was a kid, like, you know, but I think um, sci-fi is probably the tops, you know, yeah. And horror next. (laughs) Horror and sci-fi linked. (laughs) Sometimes they even cross genres as well, so. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) True, true. Look at the Alien series, you know. Precisely, or Predator as well. Oh, yeah, wow. Magical. Amazing. What is your favourite film? Oh, that's a, that's a horror. You know, funny, I was I was thinking about this on the way across and thinking, mm, and, you know, everyone's got so many good ones, you know, but um, 2001, A Space Odyssey, by off, you know, Officer Clark and Kubrick. Kubrick is genius, you know, he's just one of my favourite directors all the time, next to Tarantino, but, um, yeah, 2001, because I've probably seen it about 50 times, you know, and every time, and if I put it on, it seems to put me in a good mood, you know, it's like a mood enhancer, you know. Mm-hmm. I really like that movie, you know. I um, I, 2001, I love the movie, but every time the um, opening track opens, you know, doom, it always mm-hmm. reminds me of Elvis Presley coming out on stage. <laughs> didn't he, didn't he <laughs> yeah. Come on, let's get that band up. Right. My mom was a big Elvis. I think of Elvis for some reason. It's like Elvis is hijacked 2001. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, sorry, when you get to that 2001 when you see it today. I mean, you know, the visuals and the, 
everything that they've done. I mean, they still stand up today. I mean, it's a marvel on its own. So if it hadn't been 2001, there would have been Star Wars, you know. And even in Independence Day, don't they say when they're on the roof, oh, God, I hope they bring back Elvis. <laughs> he was and captured. He knew that uh, the virus could sit there and wipe out an alien race. So it's like, <laughs> Viva Las Vegas. Is it Rostock or Vega? Oh, yeah. Viva Las Vegas. Vega. That's the one. <laughs> Classic. Now, most of us have a long history of films and stuff like that. Do you remember what your earliest film memory is? Yeah. You know, see, you know it's got to be Doctor Who, the first episode of Doctor Who. I think it was probably, you know, I was still at school. Like, you know, it's just, just memory being... You knew it was going to be a, well, a time like, you know, you're six years old or something, or whatever it is, but it just it felt pivotal, you know what I mean? Like something was happening, you know? That opening graphics, the music, scary, you know, the opening graphics and everything was in black and white then. But I think then was like, that, that's when I, I think I became a sci-fi fan, <laughs> you know? And I would say that's probably the, the moment. Um, Doctor Who wasn't a big thing in America. It is now. Yeah, but I remember it used to come on like after Sesame Street, like in the afternoons. Okay, and I remember seeing a couple episodes. So I remember like, you know, quite by it. <laughs> Actually, the next probably the, the next the Muppet Show was brilliant. You know, we, we were like in our teens, and and it was just like genius, you know, because they had great rock stars on that people from all film genre, like you know, really cool. Yeah, and then, uh, and that was filmed here in England as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, phenomenal when you think about it, because you always think America for some reason, but it's not. Yeah. It's, an, it's an ITV production, wasn't it? So yes, yeah. and now owned by Disney. What uh, don't they? <laughs> and we cover a lot of books and stuff. Do you have a favorite book and author? Yeah, you know, um, again, like it. I mean, I like Henry Miller. I, I like Dante, but I think um, Clyde Barker, Weave World. That's what I, I must have read. Weave World about 12, 15 times, you know. Uh, just love him. He's just, he just, he just puts you in a good mood, you know. Um, but um, Douglas Adams, you know, Hitchhiker Guide to the Galaxy. But I think um, go, go to something like a bit more um, in this century, <laughs> you know, it's got to be, <laughs> it's got to be Mr. Clive Barker with Weave World. Okay. Well, he really has an, um, an, a mad. Imaginative way of writing as well. I mean, there's such yeah. an imagination and body dysmorphia a lot of this stuff, sort of thing. But yeah, yeah, I believe his new book, he's finishing up the Scarlet Testimony, the Scarlet um, right. series. I think that's um, that's coming out later on this year, apparently. This yeah. end the whole Hellraiser series that he's got going. The Scarlet okay. Bible or Testament or something like that. I was oh, hearing that. Oh. They had a podcast, so I was like, oh, okay. Well, uh, Cold Canyon, I think, you know, that was a bit like the Hollywood scene, you know. That was a really good book, Cold Canyon. I like that book, actually. Yeah. That was, re- it was really eerie as well. Yeah, he just so. seems, he seems, he has the, the way of putting that kind of, setting you in an atmosphere, it, it encases you, it's a world in itself, you know. I mean, the guy's something else, man, you know. And his art's great, you know. Yeah. man, you know, he's like. Uh, I just remember, have you seen any of his short films that he did before Hellraiser? No, sorry, I haven't seen any of them. Um, there's a lot of him and um, Doug Bradley, because you know, oh. they have their own little theater group in Liverpool. And yes. that's just the say, there's a lot of, um, a lot of Todd, they did a lot of it quite nude, and they're like flapping their um, Todgers around. So they're kind of going, okay, Clive, okay. <laughs> it's kind of bizarre. <laughs> but it's all kind of like art, you know, like art, art school um, student stuff. Okay, right, yeah, yeah. Well, Derek Jarman, you know, like, I mean, Derek Jarman, like, you know, he, 
he lived in Islington, you know, and <clears throat> he, had, he had great movies. I mean, he did one in Caravaggio. And that was, oh, yeah, I, was, I, yeah, yeah. I think that's probably the one of the first art house movie I saw. Like, you know, um, didn't he do um, also um, uh, Orlando? Well, come on, yeah, he did. yeah, he did. Um, he did quite a few. I mean, he went oh, yeah. from art to getting very respected, and then he kind of went to a little bit more where actually, I think one of the main studios started throwing money at him a little bit, yeah, sure, yeah. Mm. But he always, he, Derek Jarman always, you know, his early stuff, his early films always kind of remind me of the classy version of Kenneth Unger. Unger <laughs> 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 was like really cheap and all, kind of like, uh, or Derek made sure there was a story actually that was going on. It was, uh, but yeah. it, it was a lot of imagery at the same time. <laughs> Great. Great. <laughs> now we're going to be covering a lot of stuff during um, the season of season five, which um, that premieres this week. Do you have a favorite episode that you're looking forward to covering? Um, well, anything to do with the horror genre, like you know. But um, talk about Nightbreed. I'm really looking forward to that one, like you know. So that's our first one, I guess. You know, um, yeah. I, I mean, uh, I'm pretty open, like you know. I think it's good to sort of see new stuff and all that, you know, and you know, learn something, you know, because if you just kind of go around in circles, what's inside your head, you never really go any further like you know so i think that's the that's a good thing yeah sorry <laughs> it's a bit vague yeah, uh, reply there <laughs> no looking forward to cabal actually we got some yeah. great um, guest co-hosts coming on for that as well so i think it's gonna be really interesting and then it's a short book which is even better <laughs> <laughs> we just i just got off a season of classic novels you know we've done like moby dick and the count of monte wow. Cristo. so i'm really looking forward to this season because <laughs> it's like hey, <laughs> reading sort of thing hey stuff that i really enjoy yes yes oh, you know i mean it's um, like i remember sort of at school when, yeah, when i did my all levels you know we did um we were so lucky we did the great gatsby which i liked mm-hmm. anyway you know and hamlet genius you know i mean it's like it was like you know everyone else is going oh shakespeare's you know but i love shakespeare <laughs> so you know uh, i love macbeth macbeth is one of my favorites oh wow isn't it something else you know you know I it's funny. patrick stewart did in the west end which is fantastic oh he's something else you know you um, i mean apart from he was in the star trek stuff but patrick stewart was in the original june you know a small mm. part like you know, but, he's got, but he is us um you know I'm trying to think. I might have seen him years ago, you know, because he only really came to prominence in the 80s, you know. And when we first came to London, we were just going to see a lot of fringe theatre, you know. And uh, I'm sure. audience. That's what I was. I mean, the thing is, I mean, there are TV actors, and it's like, you know, you'll see them like perform on stage, and they don't. Where Patrick Stewart, you can tell that he's an actor's actor. He just. Yeah. I, I was mesmerized. And I have to sit there and say it was raining when we went. So you got into this theater all wet and everyone's really damp. And, you know, you know, where basically you can see the steam rising off everyone <laughs> sort of thing. And everyone just, I mean, I didn't move for like, what was it, three and a half hours, four hours? I'm just like, sort of thing. It was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still want to go see The Mousetrap. I'm going to drag Craig down, you know. I, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm not going to see House uh, Mousetrap. And he said that, um, he says that he knew from the he said from the very first scene he knew who who did it sort of thing. So oh no, it's okay. Really interesting. Look, we're, I think we're more advanced now, aren't we? Because we see so many yes. films. I think the older you get as well that we do. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's quite. That's quite. Movies yeah. plays out the whole plot. Can't you half the time? And it's like yeah. I mean, it'll be yeah. interesting to see how you guys do on that. So yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll take we'll give you a report back on that one. That should be good fun, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guessed it. 
Movies called sleuths. <laughs> <laughs> the old-fashioned expression. <laughs> I'm a sleuth. <laughs> like now, you've been doing podcasting for a while now. What do you What do you enjoy about podcasting? I think it's just like this is banter, you know, and just get, just meeting different people and having a yak, you know, and find out about the world, their world that they're in, you know, and um, and it's like a, it's a doorway into all these other experiences, you know, but if mainly it's like, I think with the, all the COVID stuff, you know, and the lockdown, this has probably been a godsend for people, you know, especially people like bloody extroverts like me, mm. <laughs> you know, being a musician, like, you know, we like to perform, like, you know, but um, yeah, to, just, just meeting people, great, you know, it's fab, you know. Now, um, do you have a favorite quote or saying? Ooh, ooh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Um, Yes, uh, hold on, let me think. There is no such thing as perfection, only perfect intention. Oh, very good, excellent. It's Buddhist. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's one uh, my little nephew said to me the other day. He says, you can get in touch with me on the Wi-Fi, Uncle David. (laughs) 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 That could become a classic. (laughs) like that one. Do you have a special message to our fans uh, that... That might have something that changed your life or anything. Sorry, one more thank you. You have a special message to our fans that may have changed your life. Um, yeah, thank you, <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, that would be it. Now, when your time has passed and this great big blue marble that we're all spinning around that, and one day, you know, as my grandmother says, we have two things in common: we're all born and we're all going to die. So yeah. when you pass from this mortal coil, what is the one thing you best want to be remembered for? Laughter. Because it encompasses, it encompasses the arts and the music and it's everything, you know. And, and I think it's nice. I like to laugh and I like, I don't mind people laughing at me. That's great, you know. But just, just seeing people laugh, I love it, you know. And mm. it just makes you feel good and it raises the mood and, you know. <laughs> very, very true. We can, be, we can always use <laughs> As the great Bill Hicks said, he says, you know, wherever you wherever you see laughter and love and music, I'll be there. <laughs> so, well, I want to thank you, David, for joining the Literary License Podcast and our getting to know you. And we will be seeing David during our Kings of Horror episodes, which will be the first Woo! week of this month. So thanks again, David, and we'll see you very, very soon. Thank you, Keith. Have a great evening. Hello, welcome to the Literary Legends Podcast, and today we are doing a Getting to Know You segment, and I get to, along with Leandro here, ask Keith a few questions about what he thinks. So, Keith, <laughs> we all, well, I know, but the, the audience might not know. Who are you? What do you do for a living, or what do you like to do in your spare time? Well, um, what I do for a living is um, I have I work as a forensic psychiatrist for a, a leading NHS hospital here, a teaching hospital here in London, and I also edit scripts for horror and film, and I also write dialogue for computer games. So oh, yeah, I like the computer game moment. part. That's no, really and cool. I also do the podcast, and that's pretty much a full time job now as well. So it is. It is. Wow. <laughs> um, could you plug anything you want to plug? Whether it's social media or website. Um, well, I'm not really in social media on a personal level, but if anyone wants to follow us, they can follow me on our Instagram, which is LL Podcast on Instagram, or the Literary License Podcast on Facebook, or Twitter, or Tumblr, 
And on t- I mean, I guess if you follow us on Tumblr, um, I write book reviews and stuff like that, and our book reviews and our um, Goodreads on Tumblr and stuff like that. I don't so. think there's not a platform we're not on anymore, except maybe Rumble or something like that. Um, I think we are on Rumble, but I just don't think we post on Rumble. So. Okay. We do a lot of uh, examination of lots of things, books to screen and all kinds of genre. Which one has been the one you've enjoyed the most genre-wise? My go-to seems to be the horror genre. I do like many different genres of film and stuff like that, but I tend to always go to horror genre. And I think the reason why I go to the horror genre is that it always surprises me. But I also find that with um, horror, that even if it's a really bad horror film, I can sit through, where it's really hard to sit through a really bad drama or a comedy. It's true, because there's no, there's no coming back from a bad comedy or drama. There isn't. Yeah. And so saying that horror is always my go to and I always, you know, I'm always interested and it always does test boundaries. And I quite like the idea that you never know what to expect. And it's always Uh something that, you know, that they always are pushing the, you know, I said before, they're always pushing the boundaries and even with the independent stuff and anything like that. And and there's always something that does surprise me and always find gems within the horror genre. Absolutely. Uh, What's your favorite film? Surprisingly enough, I have four to-go to films, which are not horror at all. It's The Women by George Cooker, which is a 1943 film that has nothing but women in it, which is totally gay. Which I guess, <laughs> that is. That gives me my pink card. Um, and then my, my, other, my other favorite film is The Bad Seed, which we have covered in those shows. I love that one, too. I did. And The Seven Faces of Dr. Lau, because that gives me special memories of my mother. Um, there, when I was growing up, my mom would let me stay it's the seven phase of doctor there's three films seven phase doctor loud the music man and west side story and if those films are showing late at night my mom would let would let me stay up late at night and watch that and not go to school the next day so and that was such that- a big deal back then wasn't it yeah and the seven phase doctor loud is that movie for me it's like whenever i see it it always fills me with joy and happiness and it reminds me of that time and my other favorite film is The Music Man because I think it's the only time I've ever seen a Hollywood film that has a huge cast. And the huge cast are in every single scene. It's not like they just bring out, okay, That's we're going to do this number and let's bring out these dancers for this number and that number. And I love Shirley Jones. I've always wanted her to be my mom. So Shirley Jones. I can see Shirley <laughs> Jones being your mom. I, 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 so I want to be Keith Partridge. What can I say? Keith Partridge? <laughs> Well, now that we're going that way, what is your earliest film memory? Um, my earliest film memory um, is going to the movie theaters and my parents, we went to the drive-in and this is back when my parents were still together. So I must have been about five or six. And we went to a double feature and it was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and <laughs> 20,000 Leagues Under, Under the, the sea. sea. Oh my God. Yeah, I love those too. So I remember seeing that. Um, I remember... Um, Watching Chitty Chitty Bang Bang in the beginning, falling asleep and waking waking up at the child catcher, and then falling asleep after the child catcher, and then I remember waking up and having this great big octopus swallow a submarine, and that's all. I, were, that's my memory. Do you remember which drive-in you were at? Um, it would have been in Fulton. Um, Fulton. I grew up, yeah, my parent when we were, when I was growing up, mom, we lived in Fulton in New York, which is um, where the Nestle's factory, where yeah. the whole town's not a top all the time, especially in the summertime, which is kind of wow. disgusting, really. <laughs> and then uh, my other 
early favorite film that I can remember from beginning to end is my grandmother took me to see Bambi and Gus, the football kicking mule. And, oh my God, I forgot about Gus. <laughs> yeah, and Bambi, I think Bambi like tortured me for life because I think that was the most traumatic scene. Yeah, it's the most dramatic, dramatic situation that any kid can find themselves at the age of six, especially like when he's going, Mama! Mama! It's like, your That's mom. sort of like Artax. Or was it Artax <laughs> and the never-ending story? Yeah. Like horse drowning, that was always traumatizing, even as a teenager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they're my, they're, that's my earliest film pem- film memories, which again yeah. had nothing to do with horror, so go figure that one out. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite book and author? My favorite author of all time is John Irving. Um, John Irving. Oh, that's right. Um, I forget that. Oh, uh, Fantastic for me. He is like my go-to author. My favorite book by him is A Prayer for Onini, which I've read that book like eight or nine times. And every time I read it, it's actually the only book that's ever made me cry. And Serious? Me- yeah. And an interesting story about John Irving is that when Heat Magazine first started here, um, I've been, I was doing interviews for them and I was able to interview a bunch of different people and I had to interview him. And he's the only person I ever got tongue tied and I was starstruck. I'm mean, like stuttering, you know, uh, 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 I couldn't get a thought together. Anyway, I had to leave the interview and I said, I'm really, really sorry that I have to leave, but I'm a fan of yours. I'm going to turn, turning into this blubber and idiot, but I'm going to contact them and that's going to send someone else over. Yeah. So I left. This is before mobile phones or anything like that. So I had to go to a pay phone. So I went to a pay phone, um, in Piccadilly Circus phone the publisher and the publisher goes he just contacted us he wants you to go back so i went back and um to do to redo the interview and he presented me with two first bound leather bound copies of uh, and signed copies of prayer for own Mimi and widow for a year by him wow that's amazing he got me an email and goes I'm in london um would you like to meet for lunch and i meet for, meet him for lunch now so but john irving is my favorite go-to author that's and cool he's my third book uh, what episode are you looking forward to doing this season? We've got a whole bunch of new stuff we're exploring. I'm actually looking forward to Let the Right One In um, by um, because the book, which is the, um, was written by a S- Swedish author. Um, of course, we're going to be reading the English version of the book, of course. Right. It was very much versed in Swedish. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, pretty, yeah. That's, not, that's as far as my speech goes. And Swedish chef, I guess. And ABBA. The movie is fantastic and the book is fantastic, but they're two different animals. And I can't wait to when people read it. And just just the hideousness of the pedophilia and everything that goes on in that book. Is crazy. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that discussion. I've I'm noticed like, oh. that most of the stuff we've read, especially the, the book, uh, the, the, uh, the classics, I was just astounded at the stuff that was in those books that went totally over my head in grade school and high school. I mean, um, talk about reading the, stuff. Yeah, with eyes. I'm probably never going to leave my memory anytime soon. So, <laughs> <laughs> Um, what do you like about podcasting? Um, what I quite like about podcasting is that basically that um, we get to meet a lot of people and discuss things, and mm-hmm. it's like, and it's become like a bit of a family. So you know, um, Vicky and I do everyone, you know, we do it week by week sort of thing, and then we have of course our regular co-hosts, and it's like catching up with old friends, and it's just 
discussing everything that we love and everything we knew and just and discovering something new with each and every that's a lot of fun too it makes you feel good for the rest of the day too there's just something therapeutic about it yeah and it's i have to sit there and say it's probably the one thing in my life that's like oh jesus christ i gotta do this and i do i'm not with my job my daytime job especially during covid was very very stressful i'm dealing with all that um and then the other stuff i have to do it's it's fine it's just stuff i have to do because i have to pay bills and stuff but the podcast thing is something i actually look forward to and it's quite fun interviewing people i mean you know we got eg daily which i love her and we got she was really sweet and now you know and i got an internet bride from it dinah manoff you know um she's also sweet she sends me like that little messages like oh how's my internet husband doing and stuff oh she did not how sweet (laughs) You know, and it's just, you know, we got to speak to Alan Foley and, you yeah. know, and the Dark Shadows crew. And, you know, we got a lot more interviews and that's interesting. And yeah, and I think we've become a family and it's been quite nice. It's like, and we keep adding to the family and the yeah. family keeps growing here. It has and been I quite a also, journey. And I really love that our guest co-hosts come back every single year. Yeah. So I know that they're enjoying themselves and I'm quite surprised at how fast we've grown and how we're growing. And that, that's nice that people are enjoying us. Sort of thing. It's fun. Do you have a, like a favorite quote or saying you would like to impart? Um, I live my life with three quotes um, that my grandmother taught me. And those three quotes are with the aid of demons, angels can be born. Um, basically, it means that no matter what bad things happen in your life, is that um, something good always comes out of that. Mm-hmm. And my other quote that my grandmother used to sit there and say, you can't enjoy the mountains unless you're living in the valley every once in a while. Yeah. Which basically means that, you know, you have to be in the valley to enjoy the highs. You know, you have to have the lows and the highs in your life. Otherwise, your life is just plateaued. And, you know, my grandmother also said that, you know, you know, you got that mountain, you know, when you're in that valley and you got that mountain, that's something to climb up to. And don't worry that once you get to the top of that mountain, that God's probably going to knock you off the other side of that mountain. Yeah. And you have to climb up for it then. And the other, the, and the main one basically is that she also taught me that you reflect on the past, you live in the present and you look towards the future because you can't change the past. And even if you can, doesn't mean that your life is going to be better or worse. It's just going to be different. It means everyone that you know, everyone that you see, everything that you experience right at this particular time, it's going to be different. So Smart woman, be- your grandmother. Yeah, so they're the things that I, my go-to sayings for life. It works. And now, and now as you can see that my hick accent's coming out when I talk about my grandmother. I know, I was going to say the Northern New York is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> do you have a special, a special message um, to our fans that uh, has changed your life? Um, I think that basically what you, you know, what's changed my life is that anytime that something presents itself to me, I always give it a try. And I'm not 100% successful in everything that I do or everything that I try. I, I, I fail. And, you know, the thing is you can measure your success through your failures because you learn from your failures, which makes you a better person. And then, and then when you do succeed at something, you have more of an appreciation for it. So, right. and, you know, when we came with the podcast, you know, you know, I got, we started, you know, not sure how many people know this, but we had a literary agency that Vicky used to work with, with me as well. Right. A big literary agency. Um, and then we, that, we changed that to MB Literary Agency um, because people found the word media bitch I'm a bit, you know, thankfully we changed Harsh. it to the movement, which could have been even worse, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, and then, um, and then um, that became a bit of a stretch and because publishing changed a lot. And, Self-publishing, um, and, that's what it was. 
Yeah, self publishing, and then you know now that's bottomed out again. So, but it it, was kind of hard to actually you know make money out. But you know, I am proud that everyone that was with us, you know, did get a contract. Contract, and we left them with a publishing contract. So I'm quite happy about that. But then I decided to do you know the podcasting. It's like I'll do this once a month, Um, and I got that from an idea from one of our authors named Jason White. Um, and Jason basically had his own podcast thing and I was helping him get people to go into a show and stuff like that and help him out. And I thought, well, we'll give this a try and we'll do something a bit different. And yeah, and that's why I say that's always tried something, you know, this could have fallen flat. We've been quite lucky that's doing, doing very, very well. It and is doing well. Is Jason still podcasting? Yes, he is still. Um, he still is called Darkness Dwells. Um, that's right. Oh my gosh. I totally forgot about that. And I highly urge people to listen to it. It's very good. He he actually interviews horror authors and independent horror authors and stuff like that. So he does a you know, and I make sure that we don't step on any of his shoes at any time. So awesome. Well, we can't. <laughs> uh, you know, I support everyone that podcasts, and that's why I always try to do stuff that other people don't do because it's you know I don't want to cover the same stuff that everyone. No, no, everybody wants something fresh. Um, when your time has passed on this earth and it seems like things are like sped up all the time, what's the one thing you would like to impart on people or to be remembered for or words of wisdom? You know, I think that when your time has passed, that, um, that you have to leave something of yourself behind. And I want people to remember me for being generous and kind and always is the best. And, you know, I may not always succeed and I might not always, you know, be a great person sometimes. Because I can be opinionated and I do. You think? I just get it to my own beat, you know, my own drumming beat sort of thing. But, you know, I, you know, I kind of want to remember being generous and always helping people and doing the best I could. Okay. Well, we want to thank you, Keith, for sharing with us tonight. And I guess we will be seeing you in our next recording. Yeah, I'll be there with bells on. Yeah. So, Leandro, so I guess it's yep. a goodbye you, for now. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everybody. Since moment yeah.